0: 7654321. You'll never have these sacred stone. <laughs> oh, this, new crazy mother.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of Dead Point Society. I am one of your hosts, one of the dynamic duo, Adam Proctor. Uh, the other, my counterpart here, uh, is joining me in the microphone, as always. Ben, Ben Burgess, how you doing, man?
2: I'm pretty good. Yeah, I'm just. Uh,
1: Got a little snack cocktail here. Yeah. <laughs> um, I got some uh, goldfish. I do love the fishes because they're so delicious. Yeah. Um, for a non US audience, there's these little like uh, golden cheddar crackers in the shape of fish. And it's it's slightly horrifying because they have like the, the happiest faces. They have the little smiley faces, like they're super pumped to be uh, completely ravaged and uh, digested in your stomach juices. Uh, but they are indeed delicious. And it's I do like, love them. Yeah. I do love the fishes.
2: It's like the um, the places, like the uh, like the pork place with, like, the happy cartoon pig on the outside. You know, like the chicken place with, like, yeah. the cartoon chicken. Like, I I lived in uh, South Korea for three years, and they love that there. You know, that's, like, all over the place. Yeah. yeah I, mean, I was going to say, like, you know, there's a certain
1: childlike quality to enjoying, like, biting the heads off of little fishy-shaped crackers. He's going to say, you know, ah, from the mouths of babes, as of, you know, babies and Children are like naturally benevolent, peaceful, like yeah, yeah. loving creatures. <laughs> just yeah, you do you think a child's like a, a like a, a peacenik or whatever? Like a just hand him a, a like a like a teddy gram and watch him like bite all the heads off of every teddy gram in his bowl before he then devours the, the rest, like the arms and the legs and then the bellies. What what did you do? Did you did you take the heads off first when you were a kid or did you go for like the arms and did you want to like maim before you 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 went in for the kill with those Teddy Grahams. What was your style as a, as a child?
2: (laughs) I think I just devoured them whole, honestly.
1: Yeah. 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 I I was, I was a little more sadistic. I think I went for like the arms and the legs. I wanted to make them talk, you know, before I, before I put them out of the misery. All right. Enough of the snack talk. Um, we got a lot to talk about. We're going to have Matt Crispin on (laughs) at the uh, second half of the show, uh, talking about, you know, the fate of the left, uh, talking about a little, uh, kind of woo woo fun dialectics uh the kind of wild uh zany shit but also incredibly uh interesting kind of approach to thought and argumentation and discourse and dialectics that he's been pursuing on that uh, Chapo YouTube live stream uh again some zany shit but also like really surprisingly thought provoking have you been checking out um those those live feeds i think they go up on twitch and then and then youtube uh,
2: uh, i've Chapo. seen a couple of them but he does them, I think, several times a week at this point. So I, I can't really keep up. Yeah, he's really having like a,
1: a a tough like um like retrospective on on like you know not only the left, but all of like his role in the left and the way that Chapo has kind of like inspired that. And we're going to talk a lot about that. I have some uh, some really um hopefully good questions for him about the kind of the fate of the dirtbag left because um you know I've had Am- Amber Ali Frost on the show about a year and a half ago to talk about the fate of the dirt bag left, but like we, it has since progressed like quite a bit since then.
2: Speaking of Amber, uh, for those who, anybody who hasn't seen this, it was, uh, Juneteenth last Friday and mm. she had an excellent article on that. in uh, damage bag, uh, where she was talking about how there are all these, uh, big corporations that, uh, in their effort to show wokeness, you know, because of the, uh, police brutality uprisings, uh, are doing some sort of recognition for Juneteenth, although like none of them involve giving people a paid day off, uh, and, right. you know. And also, in fact, I think in one case one of the companies she was talking about did, but like their sneaky little thing was they switched it out for Columbus Day, so like they don't have to add uh, a day off, you know, for their workers. <laughs> yeah, um, a little bait and switch. Yeah, but uh, and the other thing she she points out. Uh, in the article is that all of this like corporate PR wokeness about Juneteenth is all about like somber reflection, right? You know, it's like, this is mm-hmm. like, like, like they're like, it's, it's like, um, you know, Juneteenth is like a day to like reflect on what you learned in your corporate diversity traded. Uh, <laughs> whereas well, as, she mean, point, as she points out, if anybody's actually been to a fucking Juneteenth celebration, it's supposed to be like a joyful celebration, right? It's it's the uh, it's the anniversary of, you know, the greatest advance of freedom in human history. You know, the abolition of slavery. Um, and, Leave and it sh- to
1: white people to fuck up like a good cookout. You know what I'm saying?
2: <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. You, you should have a cookout. You should listen to music. You know, you, right. you should. Uh, you should, you, a, you, should, know, you Uncle, should,
1: Uncle Joe should get a little too drunk on the sauce and have to be like taken home by Aunt Pam, you know.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, no, as, he, so as
1: he doesn't get a little, you know, a uh, uh, you know, a little wild.
2: Absolutely right. Like, and she's got this great riff about like if we actually made Juneteenth the sort of like national holiday that it deserves to be, how it should be celebrated, and you know, it could like have like you know little kids running around in stovepipe Lincoln hats, you know, all the, uh, you know, while like glory is on tv the way that like the christmas oh, story yes. is
1: always on tv in the winter oh totally gather around the
2: telly and watch uh watch a little glory yeah denzel yeah, yeah finest absolutely right you know and like people would like yeah get drunk and listen to you know like listen to uh the battle hymn of the republic and like you know argue toast
1: toast to sherman you know uh, burning down half <laughs> half of the half of the uh slave uh, plantation south
2: yeah, yeah 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 i'll uh i'll toast to sherman i live in atlanta uh <laughs> but but yeah anyway it's it's a good article it's just so like just the like just the the contrast between this like kind of like vision that she paints of a society where this was the kind of national holiday it deserved to be and that would be celebrated in ways that humans actually enjoy and like totally the like ridiculous exercise in like you know corporate p r psycho drama that we're seeing right now it's it's worth reading
1: yeah well i i uh i did uh some somber reflection yeah at the at the all white Juneteenth celebration <laughs> um and and then I actually went and volunteered some free labor time over at uh, a couple black owned businesses downtown yeah uh yeah, as you do right um jesus i hope uh i hope that uh that fellow can afford another new Tesla. Um that would be a, a real victory for racial uplift. Uh, fat in the pockets of the black bourgeoisie. Literally. Yeah. It's nah, wild, isn't it? It's wild. Let's let's move on to the, the next controversy. It's gonna be even more controversial than the than the than the question of racial uplift and the black bourgeoisie. White liberal PMC guilt. Matt Taibi cancelled. No more. Sorry, guys.
2: Yeah, he Matt Taibbi is over, party.
1: He had some good columns uh, RIP to a real one uh, my favorite line of his ever. Uh, and you actually pulled out another another one for your your YouTube zero books uh, contribution last week but but it's a close second, but this is first place of all and he described uh, these kind of uh, like these rapacious financial institution. As 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 a vampire squid hovering over all of humanity, shoving their blood funnels into anything that smells like money. I remember that one. Yeah, I mean that, that one. It just looked like I'm I'm sitting here waxing poetical as though like I have like all of these lines. I I, I can't remember shit, folks. I, I think that's like the no no Shakespeare. I don't have any poems. I've got Percy Bysshe Shelley's uh Mask of Anarchy" only because it's tattooed on my forearm. But uh, but aside from that like that that line from Taibbi is the only fucking thing I've remembered for any significant amount of time for the past decade. It's a hell of a line. What was the other one? do you have that one off the top of your head that he that he penned for uh this piece that got him cancelled about trump
2: oh yeah I, I don't remember exactly, but it was like um watching Donald Trump try to handle two major national crises at the same time is like watching a uh, hamster try to solve for Ba's last theorem. <laughs>
1: He can he can turn a phrase. Well, you know he could past tense.
2: Yeah, yeah. Now, well, now he's now he's gone. He's uh, he's in the limbo of the canceled, uh, which of course is is the way that uh, people who are in denial about this stuff uh, want to frame the conversation like that. Like, oh, Matt Taibbi still exists, therefore there's no problem, right? You know that's that's the uh, that's the no one is really canceled defense. That like unless you're you know, unless you've lost all of your current employment and uh, and you lost your house and you're you're no longer have any friends or supporters and you're scrounging for trash in the garbage can. If that happens to you, then maybe they'll admit that you've actually been canceled. But like short of that, nobody really canceled. And of course, like yeah, if that's what you mean by canceled, then you're right cancel culture doesn't exist people are very rarely canceled i mean every once in a while right mark, you know mark fisher was driven to suicide but uh um, you know but usually the mob doesn't get that kind of reward for its efforts uh but like it's also a silly way to define away any problem right like you might as well say that like racism doesn't exist because we don't have the whites only sides in the windows anymore uh or that uh, the exploitation of workers doesn't exist because people aren't literally like change their cubicles. Uh, like, you know, like what cancel culture means is a toxic culture of, of public shaming and denunciation, uh, you know, over small differences, you know, slight behavioral uh, things uh, like well, actually, God. Like a, a recent example is there's a semi-prominent Twitter personality, uh, who uh, who just spent like three days uh, on like out a tear about the fact that Glenn Greenwald's husband is significantly Lachance. younger than him. Yeah. Well, I'll just uh,
1: at one point, I believe she was like a fellow or like a post grad fellow or something, intern at the Intercept. We're talking about Naomi chance.
2: Yeah. Whatever. Whatever, whatever, Glenn did to piss her off, uh, I, I, you know he
1: he was successful. He's like he's at the top of the of the game, I guess. And you just gotta like tear down the people at the top in order to make your way up. Yeah, I mean, just base in essence, accusing him of being a pedophile and and a and a, and a sex a child, you know, a, a gay sex pest. Um, like, not by the way, like in no small way, like completely repeating all of the most homophobic tropes <laughs> yeah. out there in the game. Right? Yeah, like. In the sake of you know, for the sake of wokeness, which is what you see oftentimes, like a lot of the shit that gets bandied about, and for the for, in the name of wokeness is actually horrifically racist, and in this case, it's actually horrifically uh, homophobic and bigoted.
2: Yeah, well, both homophobic and racist, because I think also part of the uh, part of the implication is that like it was exploitative because uh, Glenn is a you know white America guy, mm, yeah, uh, you know from. You know, middle class Jewish American background, and, and and his husband David Miranda was this like poor brown kid in the favela. So like you know, of, co- of, of course he, you know, he doesn't have. He was
1: obviously it. groomed. He doesn't have the ability to think for himself. He was just a he was just a wee little child, just a wee little twink looking for a a handout. You know. Yeah, yeah. Which, no which, no, which, no which, sexual or personal, emotional, psychological agency of his own uh, could be yeah. possible
2: there. Yeah, which is which is awesome, right? Because like. Some, I mean, like, yeah, one, I mean, God, actually, that used to be a joke, but this approach is making it literal that, like, when you go around the event horizon, like, you're so woke, you're against interracial marriage. Uh, (laughs) And, like, and in this case, too, it's like, well, wait a second, like, all these years of, like, fighting to normalize and give equality for gay people, and now, like, 19-year-old gay dudes aren't allowed to have sex?
1: Yeah, I mean, her... You know, one of the tweets was just talk about just the 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 fucking absurdity that that is uh, perpetuated in online spaces. Like, well, you know, last time I checked, uh, there's a teen that follows the nine there, so he was a teenager, you know, and it's was like, fucking nineteen, you know, like yeah,
2: like just, like like like, like, the, like as if a nineteen year old wasn't a consenting adult. And the particularly awesome thing about this is. Like their relationship, I don't, I don't know when in the process they got married, but whatever marriage relationship, you know, has lasted for 15 years. So this guy, the guy who's the, um, who's the grooming victim in this scenario is literally a congressman in his thirties. Like, like he's a member of the federal Congress in Brazil. Like it's, it's like, this is, you know, this is the person. By the
1: way, constantly (laughs) under threat by the Bolsonaro regime. You
2: know, yeah. Uh, no, absolutely. You know, like, by like, the
1: way, like in no no small de- no minor detail there that it's utterly fucking bizarre that like a, a, a self-styled left journalist on Twitter would be uh you know going after um uh, someone who's at the same time um being being attacked by the violently homophobic and quasi-fascistic Bolsonaro uh, government. Yeah, exactly. Uh, for, yeah. Exactly. For clout, by the way. for clout. Like let's be honest. For yeah, for clout.
2: Pure, purely for clout or you know just you know, for like, I don't know, like maybe like Glenn was a dick to her one day at the office and she's never forgotten it. You know, it's <laughs> like whatever was going on here, but of course that's that's the way this this stuff always works, right? Like whenever you have um you know, moral paddocks and and like of course, you know, I'm I'm always like reluctant to use all of the historical metaphors that come to mind because people say, Oh no, 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 but like how can you compare it to that? Nobody's getting killed. It's like okay, but there could be still be similar dynamics, and that could be bad, right? Like, you know, like there could be, there could be anti-Semitism that's a problem that doesn't involve loading anyone to a cattle car, right? And there could be, yeah, well, for sure, for you sure. know, there could be like uh, moral panics and like petty witch hunting that doesn't involve burning everybody anybody at the stake, but it's still a problem. And part of the reason it's still a problem is it's because like, it's like all of this stuff, right? It's like when, um, God, I remember there was this article a couple weeks ago, uh, somebody, some like theater producer in New York was upset that some theater had not issued a, uh, black lives matter, uh, PR statement. And so she, she started up, um, uh, a open source Google doc where anybody could stick in the names of uh, theater directors uh, who, who had it made like a gesture of support. Uh, Holy
1: shit. I hadn't heard this, but this is news to me as I'm yeah, hearing it. So yeah, listener, yeah. You're, you might be right here with me in complete fucking shock. And it's down. Yeah.
2: Well, I was, that's how I felt oh. when I first saw it. Um, and, and I shit. guess at some point later, like now it's closed. Cause like it must've dawned, on uh, this person that having a literally open source denunciation list was kind of inviting abuse. <laughs> you know? and, and 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 moreover, you're in New York, uh,
1: <laughs> theater in the theater entertainment uh, industry in New York City. Who just I, just spitballing here. <laughs> Which uh, religious affiliation, culturally or otherwise, would you expect to end up pretty predominantly uh, yeah, <laughs> on yeah. such a list?
2: Yeah. Well, there's that too for uh, sure, time. right?
1: I don't know, but like,
2: but it's amazing, right? You know, because it's like, but it's like the same thing with like whatever is like whatever is like um, motivated this other lunatic to go after Glenn, Glenn Greenwald. The point is, we don't entirely know, but like when you have. This atmosphere of moralistic denunciation, what that invites is people to just settle whatever petty scores they have, you know, because like it's the perfect excuse, you know. It's like it's like oh, you know, I like I have like a beef, you know, with uh, with a colleague, you know. Here's you know here's a way, you know, here's a way I could get him, you know, and like clothe myself in righteousness, and this like how is this just not obvious that it's going to be used that way? Right. Like, and, and which is one of the many reasons to be very worried about the stuff Matt Taibbi is documenting in this article. So he, uh, you know, he talks about a bunch of different cases and, and look, I did a, um, uh, I did an essay for my patrons, the Patreon where I did a, a deep dive into like the specifics of the article 'Cause there was a response by um Nathan Robinson, who I think is a good guy and he does good and valuable work, you know, for for you know for the left in in many ways and and you know, I consider him a friend, but like, you know, he but Nathan's um in Nathan's response to this, I think he did like make some like legitimate points, you know, like he like that um uh one of them is uh Matt Taibbi, didn't make certain political distinctions that he should have made because he's, you know, he clearly, he doesn't really know the lay of the land on the left. That's not really his world, right? Like that's so he's, he's not really, really distinguishing the way he should between like liberals and leftists. And, you know, like there's, there's, there are, there are distinctions worth making there that he's not making and the article would be stronger if he did. I think that's right. You know, I mean there's a recurring
1: problem with Matt every time he he actually writes about the left. Like meaning like, you know, you're always saying, like, well who who are you talking about here? Um and as I mentioned, I think to you off air the other day, like uh, you know, Matt was like in the ISO, I think, for like a minute, you know, like in the late nineties. Which
2: is actually like, something you know, that Matt and like, I have in common, but
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, in New York City, you know, these uh, no, I don't think I'm outing him to say this. There's some old comrades of mine who who were in who were in uh, who they, they, they served together. Uh yeah. Yeah. in the uh yeah in new york but but um you know that's to say that he just doesn't really have much of a, a sense of the lay of the land yeah no, uh, now was... to what extent that actually invalidates some of the stuff that he's saying like i don't agree i just have to say i, my, I think my disagreements with nathan's take on this is probably stronger than yours we can kind of litigate this uh as we go um, yeah, yeah. what was your other point? you had a couple other really uh important yeah, kind yeah. Of so, so
2: that was there. so like i think that's the most important thing i will also say that uh because matt is grouping together a bunch of different examples and some of these examples seem pretty compelling to me some of them i think nathan had good pushback on uh, that you no know, like in this particular case right some editor who stepped down that like there might have actually been good reasons for that to happen some of them were somewhere in between right that like so um so like, I think, I think Nathan had like a decent point, but there's also like a counterpoint that's like kind of compelling and it's like a gray area case. Right. So, and you know, whatever, like we could, we could go through some of these if you want, we don't need to, but the point is just to me, the larger thing sort of zooming out is like, yeah, I think that, um, I think some of his example, some of, some of Matt's examples are dubious. Some of them are pretty strong. Some were some are somewhere in between, But, like, to me, the core point definitely survives an examination of all those details uh, because some of of his cases are pretty compelling, frankly. And also because, like, at a certain point, like, this starts to feel like an argument about which brains Jeffrey Dahmer has eaten. You know, it's like, it's like, no, 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 I don't think he actually (laughs) ate that guy's brains, you know, or, like. You know, yeah. no, no, like really this person, he just like, you know, like gnawed on their cheek and face a little bit, you know, it's like, well, yeah, yeah. The Lord, mean, if
1: he licked, if he only licked the prefrontal cortex, right. Does that count? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. we
2: well, like, like the question to my mind is, is Jeffrey Dahmer out there eating brains and is that a problem?
1: Right. Yeah. And, and moreover, like, you know, take a, take a, a, a little perusal of. The kind of anecdotal experience of anyone who's worked in like legacy media over the past five to ten years, and just and and uh, just kind of take in the the insane chilling effect that this that, that this stuff has had uh, over people. So I mean, sometimes it's, you know to, to do some serious investigating, you have to look not so much only at what is said, but also what isn't said, right? And I know that's harder to sort of prove and then have any kind of evidentiary basis, you know, to ground your conclusions in, but. But, like, that's the thing, right? That's just the thing. Like, a lot isn't being said. And that's exactly the point. Um, it's, pr- it's producing an environment wherein, like, things uh, can't be said um, without fear of, of wild consequences. And so, like, the case, I mean, but, but you know, it's, it's a both end because you really do need to litigate each case individually. Because that's always my argument. My argument, I was always like, because that's the thing. People usually cancel them before they have all the facts. It's like, oh, okay, before you cancel them, let's get all the facts. Maybe before you vindicate somebody, you should also get all the facts. You know, both 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 can be true. Um, I do find that you know Nathan tends to lean very hard in this direction of like, oh, come on, canceling is. Uh, who, who's the other guy um, who's on a, a guest on Chapo quite a bit? I, I think he writes for the Nation. Uh, who's who's made a lot of spirited arguments that this cancel this this claim of cancel culture is like way overblown. Um, oh, I'm not sure. I'm blanking on his name, but I mean that's so that, that I mean but, that, that's a popular position to make, isn't it? That it, it is that, popular. Like, that, yeah.
2: yeah, it is a popular position, and some of the problem is even with that word "cancel" canceling, uh, because well, look, I mean, I'll, I'll say what I say about it. in The new book, uh, which is that, like a more accurate term for what people are talking about with the point to cancel culture, would probably be public shaming culture or moralistic denunciation culture like that would like probably more accurately capture like what's what's going on and what's being objected to but i also use the phrase cancel culture because one it's like a well-established phrase at this point and i'm not going to like fight about semantics all the time and two the cancelers were the ones who started calling what they did that right like that's that's their word right? yeah, like, yeah that's, true. That is, that's actually very important to remember you know, like, like, uh, like, this isn't something that was made up by critics of cancel culture. They were the ones who called it that. And so there's this weird bait and switch where people started saying, "Oh, such and such is canceled," right? Because what they did, you know, because like they what they did wrong, or what they did that's perceived as being wrong for some insane reason, like apparently, your consenting adults aren't allowed to have age gap relationships anymore, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. like or whatever, right? Uh and then like you know people object to it and they say, Yeah, I think this culture of canceling has really gotten out of out of hand. It's not it's not okay. And they say, Oh, what are you even talking about? Nobody is canceled. It's like, well, hold on, right? Like, you know, what happened here? And um and of course, uh like again, if what you mean by canceled, you know, oftentimes there's this weird double standard because it's the very same people. Who say nobody has ever canceled? Uh, who say like who? In every other context, they're very attuned to like psychological or emotional harms, right? Like like if somebody says, uh, if somebody says, "Hey, uh, people have been saying really racist things to be online." None of these people would ever say, it, nor should they, right? Oh, but this hasn't hurt you in any material way. So you should just like shrug it off.
1: Right? Yeah. Like- so so the, the name I was searching for, cause I know people might be shouting into their smartphones right now. It's a Cita Uh Is He's who? actually a, a staff, uh, Osita Cita Okay. He's yep. a, actually a staff right at the new Republic. I was thinking new Republic or, or the nation, but, uh, but there, there's a guy who's, who's, who's done a lot of work to kind of try to minimize like, Oh, come on. Like, yeah, sure. Yeah. It's ugly sometimes, but have they really been canceled? And I'm, I'm Osita being a person of color you would never want to make an argument to say that the racism that he, that he faces in his industry, like clearly hasn't impacted him because he still has like a, like a writer gig at the new Republic. Right. Um, Like you would never put that kind of like, just fucking bullshit on somebody. Right. Like, I mean, it just, just out, just on an interpersonal level, it's completely horrific, but obviously, you know, moreover, it has other racial
2: and whatever implications. but yeah, that's the thing. So, Like, people do this weird double standard where when it comes to, like, left critiques of cancel culture, they'll say, oh, but, like, that doesn't count because people haven't suffered material consequences, or this person still has a career, so what are you even talking about? What are you even complaining about? But yeah, then when it comes to something like racism, they will, as they should, right, take the psychological harm seriously. That, like, no, like, being exposed to, like, toxic racist rhetoric or whatever like, can really take a toll on a person, and that's terrible, even if they still have a job at the New Republic. You know, like, and of course, so so that's one problem. Another problem is that actually it does have material effects on people. Um, you know, I, I mentioned earlier Mark Fisher, and I guess I should say probably to be more careful and precise about this, right? I mean, he was obviously suffering from depression for a long time, uh, and I don't want to make any, like, causal claims here, but I do tend to think that spending four years being hounded and libeled as, you know, a racist and a sexist and a horrible person online for having called attention to this issue could only have made a bad situation worse, right? Like, so that's that's clearly an example where I have very material effects. Lots of people have lost their jobs, right, from doxing or just, like, as, as like, fallout from one of these controversies, you know, going public. Uh, so, so it does um, – you know, people who are like small time, you know, um YouTube, you know, creators, uh, you know, will 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 lose a lot of, you know, income over this, you know. So like there are people that that it absolutely has material effect on, but more importantly, this idea that it only counts if it's material is both inconsistent and wrong and also just like misses the point, right? Like and this is like maybe the most important thing because it's like, okay, look, we should be able to both walk and chew bubble gum here right, and exactly. say that there are like right wing uh, jeremiads about cancel culture that wildly overstate the case, of course, right? Uh, that are you know because they're you know they're they, they have an axe to grind and they're they're being you know ridiculous and hyperbolic and you know and and, and really play this up as the worst thing in the world but that doesn't mean that there's no actual problem there. Right. Like, like just cause
1: right. You know, and this is, this is the kind of flat footedness, uh, the flat footedness that, you know, I think Nathan Robinson exhibits in his piece where he talks about Lee Fong, who um, tell, I'm, I'm a little, uh, Jesus, it's been a few days since I read the piece, but so, Lee Fong so, yeah, so, aired, so, t- tell that story about, about what Lee was canceled for.
2: Uh, at the intercepts. Uh, I think, you know he was supposed to have done like a few things that colleagues objected to, but the immediate thing was that he'd uh well, part of it was like his was like criticizing uh rioting and and um, uh, you know, as like a protest tactic. uh and then part of it was had to do with uh quoting uh somebody and and the you know, the source was black, right? but like quoted somebody who is making, you know, what what some of his colleagues perceived as like kind of like a, a, a sort of grating, you know, right wing talking point about black on black crime, uh, which, you know, I, I think they're right to uh, have a problem with the, the talking point, right? Like where it gets a little weirder is that Lee Fong was being canceled for quoting a source in a news article Right. Like 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 in other in other words, like he interviewed this guy for his story and then he reported what he said.
1: Right. Yeah. Look, I actually just found that I was anyway, I was stumbling there for a second. I had wanted you to kind of come in for the assist. That's a great context. Here's the actual quote. Um, the man of uh, Fong posted a video of a black man named Max talking about how he wished people would pay attention to murders of black people by other black people. Max said in this video, why does a black life matter only when a white man takes it? Where I grew up in East Oakland, a lot of black people have been killed by other black people. Um, and then Akilah Lacy, uh, one of uh, Lee's colleagues at The Intercept, complained about him posting a video saying that um, Fong has a pattern of pushing narratives about black-on-black crime and uh, after repeatedly being asked not to. Which is always like very – like he was asked not to. I mean look, like whatever you – look, sometimes Lee's a bit of a contrarian in ways that I don't agree with and I let him know. And other times he is in a way that – Sort of makes me think about my position in a way that I find really interesting, which is kind of like, hey, uh. that's what discourse should look like.
2: And <laughs> also, and, yeah, and, and, and also, all, but, even, but it's,
1: it's strange to ask somebody not to, right? That's yeah, just the even, thing. Like you know, th- th- that that sentence somehow could come out of another journalist's mouth. Even he kept doing it, even though we asked him not to. That's that's it's just that's
2: yeah, it's, that's it's, that's it's that's, that's that's more than a little fucked up, right? To like because like another like because it's one thing to say like even when i think he's wrong and look let's say i don't know if this is the case or not right like let's say that she's she's right in the like core of the point that like um that this isn't just one thing that one guy he quoted for the piece said uh that like he he has a pattern of playing up this point right like let's 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 just assume that for the sake of argument well i would agree with her that the point itself Isn't a good one, right? Like i i I think that like, I think that like this sort of this sort of talking point about about black on black crime, um, you know, is sort of like misses the point because there's a fundamental distinction between uh street crime that's against the law that's like committed by people who, if they're found out, will go to prison for a long time, and violence committed by agents of the state, right? Like that's that that's that seems like an important political distinction. Uh, so, like, I agree with that, but, like, also, okay, a journalist, a fellow journalist, um, let's say, has, you know, perhaps has a pattern of, like, played up, like, sources, like, making this point, again, I don't know if he does or doesn't, but, like, let's say he does, right, that, like, you think is a bad point, or maybe he even, like, has elsewhere expressed agreement with it, right? Let's just assume that. Like, all right, so... I disagree with one of my fellow journalists about something. Like,
1: and here's why I think he's wrong. Here's some counter evidence.
2: Yeah, yeah, like, 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 like just saying, like, you know, but like, imagine, like, you know, like, like, there's this such a gap between that, and oh my god, he continues to express his view even though I asked him not to.
1: Yeah, he was he was scolded by us on multiple occasions and refused to accede to our demands. Okay. So, I mean, so again, so this is where I like, maybe I, I'm a little, I don't know if we disagree on this or we do, but either way it's worth, I think this will be kind of fruitful. You know, so I tend, you know, I think Lee and I uh, disagreed a lot about uh, some of, I think his more kind of like contrarian impulses around the Bernie Sanders campaign. Whereas I was a little bit more, um, more understanding of the challenges presented to the campaign along the way. But, but, and yet people like himself and I had on Dar- Dan Marins, uh, a, a colleague and friend of Lee's, um, I don't think I'm outing either one of them and saying so. Um, and they're very, they, they think and communicate very closely about these things. And these people are incredibly valuable, to, valuable to have around in order to try to push you uh, out of your, some of your assumptions in order to get you to force you to think about things in different ways. Again, like this is how discourse is supposed to work,
2: yeah, you know? Yeah. And so,
1: so the way that, you know, I'd see Lee sort of like leaning into this stuff. It's like, let's, let's keep in mind, okay. Where we sit today, it is Monday. It's the Monday after father's day. Okay. In Chicago alone, 104 people were shot over Father's Day weekend. Fourteen of those people were 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 shot and murdered. Or they died of their wounds. I mean, you know, again, oh, Adam's raising the specter of black-on-black crime. Again, like, you could only say that's a specter if you are among, and I'm going to say it, the privileged and fortunate enough of those whom, uh, you know, have the ability to romanticize life in the urban ghetto. There is yeah, nothing fucking nice about life in the urban ghetto. I and this guy, ask- Max, who, you yeah. know, Lee cites in his piece you know, I'm guessing based on his background, it's where he says he's from in East Oakland has intimate knowledge of like what it's like to live there. Like, I think then, like, of course, then you have to be responsible for the political import of that claim too. Right. So you need to say yes. And therefore we don't need to send in, you know, hyper-militarized cops. We need economic, social, political empowerment of these populations. Um, you know, i.e., social fucking democracy, but, um, but yeah, you know, so, you it's just like we have to be able to do both. And this is where Nathan sort of doubles down on Lee and says, basically argues that there's just no way to make that point without immediately playing into the hands of the right. And I just, you know, I don't know how I think about that, but all I, I, here's how I really think. I, I think like Jesus Christ, that can't be true. If, yeah. if that's true, we're fucked. If we can't be, I mean, really, if that's true, if, if we can't make yeah. the kind of point that Lee is making here and the, the kind of point that he tries to make often which is to say, mm, come on guys, you know, we should probably think about this thing a little bit, you know, i.e., like all of the content of your forthcoming book. Right. Yeah. If all of those arguments necessarily and inevitably only play into the hands of the right, yeah. then we're fucked. So I, so I just can't believe that that's true.
2: Yeah. I mean, look, and so, so I would, the distinction I would make, I mean, it's there, there are two, there are two things here that deserve to be kept separate, right? Like, one is like the legitimacy or illegitimacy of the argument that Lee might be making has at least been has at least been characterized as making, right? That's one thing. And the other one is whether it's whether we should just not say something uh because like it bears some similarity to what the right might be saying or it might like quote unquote play into their hands. And on the second point, we're absolutely in agreement, right? Like that's 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 insane. That's a like, you know, because if you can't differentiate this, and actually, this is my single that second point is my single biggest disagreement with with Nathan's article. So we'll we'll maybe even put a pin in that and go back to it. Like on the first point, um, on the first point, the distinction I would make is between saying that street crime is like a problem that like we should talk about. Uh, which of course it is, right? I mean, it's, it's, I I would say it's a, you know, it's, it's a symptom of, uh, of poverty mostly. Right. You know, that like uh, that, like, and and we should talk about it in that context, like you said, you know, pushing social democracy and, you know, ultimately, you know, maybe someday when we can get it together and even do social democracy more than social democracy. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, uh, But then, um, but then, I would make a distinction between saying that like street crime is a problem that's like you know should be talked about in the left and saying that this black on black crime narrative is the best way to to talk about it and And my problem again with with that is that um I think it I think it conflates some distinct issues, and I think it it like sort of misses the point that people are making on uh about police violence which is not like in other words to think that agents of the state acted in their official capacity killing people is like a big problem you don't you don't have to like and like and is like particularly disturbing you don't have to think that this is like the majority of the killing going on right you know it's 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 like it's it's like you know, the point that I think oftentimes people who play this up are missing is that, like, what's being objected to here, like, when people when people talk about police violence, it's not just, like, it's not just the fact that, like, black people are being killed uh, by by white people, right? Like, it's, uh, I mean, you know, to the extent that it's, you know, racial, you know, that, that, like, racial bias is part of why it's happening. Of course, that is, you know, that is an issue in itself, right? But, like, that's not the... The main point is is that like it's a political issue in a different way when it's being done by the state, and I think that that's like a, that's like a legitimate distinction to make. All of which is a roundabout way of saying that look, I might even be on Lee's colleague side of the underlying issue to to a point, right? But like, saying our colleague at this news organization has a has a different point of view about this. Um and like we've we've told him to shut up about it and he won't. You know, yeah, is yeah. still is it's still disturbing. That's not how a news organization should work. You know, like yeah, yeah. like 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 they're like people even if, I think that's like, the least
1: we can say, right, for sure. That like, that that that's just should not fly in any kind of, like, open, discursive environment. And, and, I don't and, know. And, I mean—
2: And, and also, ahead, just to just to put, like, a little bow on that, I do think that, like, uh, if you watch the segment that Matt Taibbi did on uh, The Rise-In with Crystal and Sagar uh, about the piece and about Nathan's response to it, uh, I think he was fairly convincing on, on this this example, right, the, uh, the Lee Fung example— uh that, like, in other words, I think that reading Nathan's piece, you could get the impression that um all that was going on here was um, was that like some of his colleagues thought that he said something a little bit insensitive, and he said, Oh, my bad, you know, I'll try to do better. And you know, and there was never any risk to his job. So, like, what are you complaining about? Uh, and there's a certain way of looking at the facts that that makes sound like that, but at least if at least if Taibi is is correct on the factual point, that's not entirely accurate, right? Because uh, it sounds like there was actually a an HR component to all this, like uh, like that he even though he didn't lose his job, he was made to understand that that his job was in peril that like if that like he he needed to like kind of make it right with these people or that he you know he had to uh you know he had to like not antagonize them, you know to keep it, and like that's just a factual issue so if that's true, then i think I think Nathan's defense really doesn't work on this example right like that's 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 like that's like actually a really serious problem, and for that matter, there's also a gap between like saying uh like hey you said something that doesn't quite sit right with me you know here's why i don't like it and and like publicly accusing someone of being a racist right But like i mean i
1: I, I hear you and I, i don't i don't disagree i guess on the procedural aspects of it but again like i'm ready to go like way beyond proceduralism and just look at substance like to me the substance of what lee is saying is actually really important i think that like I think that what he is doing is a slightly more journalistic, a slight, slightly more flat footed because it's journalistic. It's a journalistic attempt at, 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 com, at adding complexity to black experience in America, something that, that is done far more, in a far more nuanced way, in a more complete way, and perhaps a more politically satisfying way by the likes of, say, Cedric Johnson, who we just had on the show last week. Um, you know, and others, Adolf Reed and, and others who, who study the complexities of black life and black experience in America and, and really try to unpack or, you know, sort of critique some of the well-intentioned, but, you know, limited movements, uh, that are sort of founded on that basis. Right. Like, and I think like, I don't know, I mean, you know, I, I think, I think the distinction that you make between like, this is the state murdering a black man versus, you know, black quote, black on black crime. This is being a sort of other thing. So, I mean, I don't know that, I don't know that people living and uh, black people living in poverty would find that distinction to be well, really some, satisfying well, some, some because, because it's because it's also do, state right? neglect, right? It's state neglect that that ends up you know that that produces these these outcomes in a way that like no this it's like you know are you dying by the hangman or are you dying or are you dying by you know the the neglect of the, the of the folks who who pay and have the hangman and their employee. Right and and I mean both outcomes are are similar. Um, you know I don't know honestly put me out of my fucking misery if I if I had a choice right <laughs> right uh, rather but rather be uh, beheaded in, in the public square than be forced to live in fucking squalor for for my entire existence in some some cases. But um, yeah, so I I, don't, I just don't know that that distinction holds, and I do think that what Lee's trying to get get at is something that is a major blind spot on the left, and I think that a, a black person, Max, in this particular case, would be. Certainly forgiven if he if he looked at this outrage and he thought to himself, okay, so we're trying to overturn white exceptionalism here. We're trying to decenter white people, whiteness, white feelings, and yet people only get mad, only get concerned about a black man dying when it's the hands of a white guy, which which seems to be like you know, however honest or however complete this sentiment may be, it seems to be just the reemergence of the reappearance of a certain kind of like white exceptionalism or white centering or white, um, you know, whatever, uh, like these people are pretending to sort of overcome. And so,
2: yeah. Although, although he is, I mean, look, I mean, like, I think there's also another point that shouldn't get lost here, which is that, uh, like just because, you're black and you're poor and you're in this situation doesn't mean that you think the same, you know, that you like have the same opinions as everybody else who's black and poor and lives in that situation, which in fact is the, is the original point there, right? Like he's presumably right. Max is objected to, to what, like, you know, to like other people in his community reacted to this in ways that would react to other things. And like, I mean, I, I do, uh, again, I, I, I don't, i think that like it's it's one thing to say like that that crime you know is is a symptom of poverty and the poverty itself is objectionable and just as bad in some ways right um like like fair enough right i'm all bored with all of that i think that it's still that's still a little bit uh like it's there's still a little bit of a difference between say that like um you know it's it's like if uh you know, if the uh you know, if the mayor of a city like orders like a hit on on someone, right? You know, like like like, like orders somebody to like assassinate somebody.
1: Mm-hmm. That's not the same thing as the mayor like neglecting a part a part of town or whatever.
2: No, well and, and it's well that, it's also right. not the same thing as like a mafia don ordering a hit, right? Like so if you say like, hey, there were five assassinations like this. And only one of them was ordered by the mayor, but you're obsessed with that one. It's like, well, I mean, there is a reason, right? To sure, to, sure. yeah, to, right, to, right, Like, right, like right. There, there is a different dimension here, you know. And, it's and, but I guess the question would be like, which, what, what, um,
1: what kind of uh, political trajectories does one versus emphasizing one versus the other feed into? And I think there is an argument to be made that, like, just on a substantive, we talked about the procedural stuff. I think we're in agreement on the procedural stuff, but just a substantive question. It's like. You know, there is an argument to make that, like that, that that conveniently leaving out the the real lived experience of of poverty and particularly black poverty in urban in urban ghettos in this country is what they are. They've been completely fucking, um, you know, neglected and whatever, what have you, throughout the the many decades. Um, you know, leaving that out of the equation and focusing on, say, pol- police, you know, murder, police brutality, police state treatment, whatever, um, really empowers a certain kind of um, narrative, a certain kind of ideology, right. One that we ourselves are not too enthralled with. It, it just empowers that kind of more liberal approach to, to, you know, identifying the problem as one of, you know, bias or, um, you know, uh, something that requires yeah, I mean, look, state look, look, reform and not, not like fundamentally overturning the, the way that we produce and work and, and live and, and, and all the rest of it ways that you would think would be like really amenable, uh, to, or really exciting to, to socialists. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm not, I, I'm not so quick to dismiss, you know, certainly not in the way that Nathan is, but even in the way that you are in terms of dismissing it as, as like that, I mean, there's a distinction to be made, right. It's important to make that distinction, but, but it's still like, it's in the same ballpark in a way that I'm not comfortable with just sort of writing Lee off as either a racist for sure. And you're not either, or or even just being kind of contrarian and, and sort of tone deaf or flat.
2: Well, well, well look, I mean, there are there like, there are at least, I mean, let's, let's think about it this way, right? Because like you could bring up that point for more than one reason. And of course, part of the problem here is that because, uh, People are doing this like like reverse engineering of his intentions from right, from like yeah. his quoting someone in a news article, which is like the very least you can say about that is it's tricky, right? You know, that's uh like you know, so so he could have been going in a number of directions with it, but like but you know, usually, especially when people use the phrase black on black crime, or uh certainly when a certain kind of person uses it. Uh, their, you know, like their 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 purpose is to, is to sort of blur the distinction that I was trying to make in the example about the mayor ordering the hit when like there have been all these hits ordered by mafia Duns. uh, that like you know sort of, sort of like you know the what the what but, they but, want. But- is, right, is, but when is, Lee is, is, says he's not is, is, a racist well, 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 and he hold, models hold, his entire political, I don't know
1: why we on, shouldn't believe him, though. Is what I'm hold saying? Because I think this, this this falls is, this is, too much into what Nathan this is, 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 is this, getting this, at. This,
2: this, this, this is the point, right? Okay. Like, okay, uh, you know, like so, so you know, people, you know, so one one thing you could do is like blur that distinction, which I think takes us in the wrong direction. And now, if you're making that distinction and you're stopping there, then you 've got liberalism, right? like that's 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 what liberalism is, right? you know is just, just sort of saying like, uh, as long as like you've sort of got procedural and and, and like civic you know uh, equality, then like that's 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 enough. That's all we want, right? Uh, and then like a different way you could take it, right is uh, is the Cedric Johnson sort of way and and to say, yeah, that first distinction matters, but also, right? Like there's the, like, uh, the, this, like this is, uh, you know, I, just, ha- I haven't
1: seen anybody going at Lee who, who has any room who leaves any oxygen for that. But also certainly Nathan doesn't cause he conflates the two, he conflates the move with the, the, you know, it's, it's any aut- Anytime you, anytime you question a dominant left liberal narrative, uh, you, you automatically place yourself, um, In the service of these right wing narratives, there's no there's no uh, nuance yeah, well, possible well, well, well,
2: well, the, there. So, so this so, is like I'm thing. with
1: you. I'm with again. I think that like, we're back to the substantive question. I'm with you. Uh, it's just that I haven't seen anybody else give sufficient oxygen to that question, to that contradiction, that complexity of black life in America right now in a way that actually has like really principled socialist trajectories, which is like, what do you say? To those 104 people who were shot in Chicago this past weekend, what do you say to the families and friends of the 14 people who were murdered due to uh, you know violence perpetu- uh, sort of perpetuated and sp- uh, you know s- uh, spun off by generational poverty and state neglect? You know, w- why would those people look to the left as as a as an entity that might may or may, may not have uh, that might have answers for them, right for for their problems? Um, you know, I wouldn't look to the left because they don't seem to give a shit about about that particular set of issues about kids being shot in their beds because of uh, an incredibly complex and a cr- incredibly, um, you know, historically generated uh, situation of like you know generational poverty and and state, uh, well, cap ca- hyper exploitation and of course expulsion from the labor force uh, in the '70s and '80s, of course. And then followed by state exception and state domination and and other forms of like hyper discipline and and so on and so forth. Whether it be uh, police, you know the the welfare post nineties welfare regime or or otherwise. And again, like if you you know take seriously the what I've just said, there's nothing that I've said. I haven't said it in any way, shape, or form that could be like conflated with I don't know what whatever Tucker Carlson went off about, you know, uh, later on today about about those murders in Chicago, which he's likely to do it. Um, because that's kind of his shtick, I guess. Um I guess I guess what was just another thing I always you always I just I wait for the other foot to drop and it never does after these sorts of things. When Lee raises a, an issue like this one, you know, you say, Ah, you gotta be careful, you shouldn't be saying that. You know, best case scenario, you just don't call him a bigot, you don't cancel him. You just you do wait for the other foot to drop where we wherein we address this like really pressing question of the kind of like uh Not only like the the crimes where people are actively victimized by other members of their class, but also like just like uh, deaths of due to desperation and and neglect, which are just piling up like ever higher and ever higher, Um, you know, by the day in our, you know, late neoliberal era. Um,
2: Yeah. Yeah. So. So, look, I think that. like to the extent that you know that Lee's way of of, of putting this, uh, you know, may, like 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 I, I get where the interpretation is coming from that like this might be a case where he's just being too much of a contrarian, uh, you know, maybe he is ultimately getting at something like the Cedric Johnson point. Uh, I think it's I think it's open to you know I think it's open to both. Uh I think it's open to both interpretations. I'm not gonna particularly argue with anybody about like how they like you know read like the tone or whatever and like I think that like a healthier version of how this how this exchange would go right is like maybe there would be some like non crazy pushback you know kind of along the lines of 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 what I've just given and that would in turn like challenge him to like be more explicit about like what point he was driving at and like try to make it you know in a better way you know or try to make it you know try to try to push it harder right to to like address the criticism and then like ultimately maybe you know maybe there's a consensus maybe there's a disagreement and that's okay right? I, I i but i got you, i just got
1: to jump in cuz i don't think that i don't think you're being fair to lee i mean i hear what you're saying like on, on a sort of like general sort of universalist yeah. position but i don't think you're being fair to lee because I think that, like you know, typically what you'd want to do is you'd want to ask him, like, "Hey, Lee, what what do you mean by that?" You'd want to look at sure, his record That'd be good. You'd want to look at his politics. You'd want to look at his stances, and and immediately dumping him in with like the Tucker Carlson sort of uh, white uh, nationalist brigade or whatever. This kind of right populist, little um, law and order uh, racism, you know, that that spawned. I mean, he's just categorically not that. He's you know, it's something, uh, and so like I think like like. Intentions do matter. And I think we agree with that. But also, like, context and history does matter. And so, you look at a guy who's like Asian American, son, son of immigrants, you know, somebody who, who writes for, for left publications, liberal left leaning publications, who stood on the side of justice time and time again with Bernie Sanders and, and, and taken all of the right stances of immigrants and, and all the rest of it, you know, and then just to, 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 to take one tweet and one news story. And then they on that basis decide that that, you know, he's he's clearly propping up this kind of, you know, right wing black on black crime narrative. It's just not something that like I'm comfortable. I'm just not something I'm comfortable sort of just letting slide because I think that it's that slippery. It's that slippery kind of um, like decontextualized, like uh, hyper judgment that happens that that seems to be at the heart of a lot of these a lot of these cancellation stories. And I guess I like, get just a more general question. We can end on this question. Like, what is it, I guess the real, the, I think this is what Taibi raises, what he's trying to raise. It's like, what if journalists in 2020? What do they owe us? And how, yeah. how, how, what do we, how do we expect them to do their reporting? Because yeah, what he did was he took a source who yeah. was, who was cutting against, who was, who was, who was espousing an opinion that was cutting against the grain. And as a journalist, he felt that, Hey, this isn't out there. This isn't being represented. I'm a journalist. I'm going to report on this. I'm going to put it out there and, and people can make of it whatever they want. And then the question is then is like, was that, um, you know, no matter how charitable or not charitable, we want to be to Lee, Was that a, a is that something that reporters should be doing in 2020? Right. Where is where where are the lines? What do reporters owe us um, and how do we prevent or ensure that whatever it is that society sort of collectively decides that they owe us doesn't end up stifling minority positions or um unpopular uh claims or stories or narratives that cut against the grain of what is dominant
2: well that will look that much to be given that part. that much for sure i mean like that's that's very clearly right that like uh that like if you know, I mean, like, if that's all, if that's all he's, you know, he's he's doing, uh, there's a, then, like, yes, obviously that's, like, well within the range of what journalists, you know, should be doing, for sure. If he's also, if he's, like, if he's promoting a certain opinion, I think that without accusing him of being Tucker Carlson, uh, you know, and, and I agree, you know, a lot of these things are, like, you know, weirdly decontextualizes if you're learning everybody's politics for the first time through every tweet, Uh, like that is definitely part of the problem, right? But without accusing of Tucker Carlson, of being Tucker Carlson, I don't object if his colleagues say, uh, Lee, I think you're missing an important distinction here, like, you know, like, 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 here's, you know, here's why you're wrong, right? Mm -hmm. And they should
1: write a story about
2: it right yeah
1: and, then, for and sure. then he should write a story about
2: it and then they should, sure, write sure. like, and like, should
1: write a story about it and he like,
2: should um, write a story about it like 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 god go back to the nation right you're you're talking about the guy who works or sorry end up being the new uh, republic but like new talk republic. think about yes. the nation right like there were like what like 20 years of like battling christopher hitchens and alexander coburn you know uh coburn uh columns at the nation uh and like that's Seems like, one, first of all, uh, if there are, like, Intercept authors who are, like, actively and energetically disagreeing with each other, then first of all, just, like, purely in terms of, like, making this, like, a more appealing, you know, product, uh, I would I would probably read the Intercept more, right? You know? <laughs> like, oh, for sure. Oh, no doubt. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like, mean... like and, and, like, then, like, also... Like that just seems like a more useful version of left media uh, where stuff like that, you know, happens more. Right. And like, hey, like to exactly the point I was making, I think that kind of process would probably lead to more clarity about what his point was. And it would probably, you know, and God knows, maybe I'd agree with his ultimate point. Maybe I disagree with it. But like at the very least, we could have a more useful discussion Right. Because because uh, because we would like have a better idea of of what like on reflection he thought instead of doing what we do where we take like first of like a tweet is almost by definition, um, you know, it's it's 280 characters or less. It's uh it's something that like you're a weirdo if you spend more than five minutes composing it. Right. Like, you know, like, yeah. like, 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 it's, you're it's, workshopping it's, it's, it
1: with your buds. Like that's probably, yeah, yeah,
2: exactly. Right. Write. So like, so, so like it's, it's very, it's a very, uh, like what it, like, a like every tweet is like a rough draft of a bullet point of an opinion. Right. So like looking at each new rough draft of a bullet point of an opinion, as if you were discovering the worldview of the person who made it for the first time and nothing else you'd ever said should be taken into account and evaluated is obviously insane and like there's also a larger picture here right so like just just like like real quickly like uh like one of the other um on the opposite end from from lee feng who's who's like a leftist who's maybe sometimes too contrarian maybe at this point you know he had to you get know, he was making a good point it's not clear right like on the opposite, I'm
1: on. End. I'm on team Lee did nothing wrong. But anyway, as long as yeah, I stake yeah. my I, flag, we'll, 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 right, we'll have a spirited, all
2: right, all right. a spirited, I'm, hearty I'm,
1: disagreement. I'm
2: I'm, <laughs> I'm on. I'm on. I'm on team. It's not entirely clear what Lee's point <laughs> was, and Fair. I I wish there had been more substantive discussion to bring it out. Right. Yeah, uh, yeah. but like I disagreed with
1: him on Bernie on a couple occasions. I want to be clear. I'm not just you know I'm not I respect Lee enough to be able to disagree with him when I think I should. I guess I just want to get that out yeah, there too. Yeah,
2: like uh, whereas, but like on the opposite end, right, ideologically right from Lee Fung, uh, they uh, one of one of Taibbi's other examples is uh, about Tom Cotton, who's basically a fascist, and. Uh, and in uh, and Tom Cotton's op-ed in the New York Times, which uh, it's a little bit complicated because, uh, well, one reason is that the uh, is that the op-ed editor later admitted that he had read it, which, uh, as a regular reader of New York Times op-eds, doesn't surprise me the least. Uh, I don't think anybody is reading those fucking things before they go out.
1: I'm pretty sure Um, they just give like the authors like the um, the, like the login like uh, credential or whatever. And they just like cut (laughs) and paste it off of their Word document. And it just goes immediately live, you know, to to the website. That that
2: seems to be the case, right? Maybe there's some kind of copy editing, but certainly not more than that. Uh, But like this thing is like, okay, so. Tom Cotton actually is a bad guy who, who really does have, have, have bad and, and vile and horrible views. But, uh, I also, you know, have a little bit of a different take than Nathan here. And part of the reason is, first of all, like it has to do with like what the function, uh, is of a newspaper like the New York times. So, uh, like, obviously I think it's good, that we have, uh, we have magazines like *Jackman* or *Current Affairs* on the good side, or like in terms of the forces of darkness, you know, *Reason* or *The National Review* or *The Wall Street Journal*, for that matter, right? That like exist to promote a well-defined point of view. Or in the case of *The Wall Street Journal*, uh, that like uh, maybe they do some relatively neutral journalism. I'm sure, you know, like save all of your, you know, people who are listening to this are about to be mad at me, save all your critiques about how journalism could never be entirely neutral. Uh, I knew all that shit when I was 19. I said relatively, right? Uh, you know, that's like that do relatively neutral journalism, but which have a well-defined point of view on their op-ed page, right? Like, that's fine. There's room for that too. But I'm not convinced, right, uh, that we would be better off just not having newspapers like the New York Times, that actually have very different partisan points of view that are all represented on the op-ed page. I think like a healthy functioning media ecosystem should include that. Now, the the it's the old
1: old Habermasian, like, uh, you know, public, uh, you know, the public square, the public, the idea of the public, right. Um, Which is like obviously a bourgeois notion that's been like uh, historicized and torn apart by Marxists. Jeff Ely did a really good Marxist uh, historical kind of, uh well I wouldn't say takedown, but he just historicized the the notion, the creation of like a bourgeois public square, right? Um kind of idea. Yeah, but bug, th- bug, th- but nonetheless, th- like like conceptualize th- like its absence, right? That would be a really shitty world to live in.
2: Right. Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, it you, is, think, it, you think the it's, it's, liberal it's, public
1: square is bad? <laughs> like try fascism, right? Try uh, <laughs> yeah. any other, no, try Islam. you know, try, Jesus speaking of like terms that get immediately butchered into right wing talking points, like try like various forms of like um, Islamic fascism. I'm talking about actually existing Islamic fascists, like ISIS, uh, not, yeah. not, uh, not people who yeah, want exactly. to like, read the Quran it's, it's, it's and like their fucking the, religious schools and like Michigan
2: it, or whatever. Yeah, like it's like the, the the bourgeois liberal version, of public square, it's limited and hypocritical in many ways, but it's a hell of a lot better than just not having one. Uh, and and I and I think that the idea that you should have newspapers that are part of that is is right. Right now, of course, uh, it's not a bathroom wall that anybody can scroll any opinion on all the time. Right, like uh, like they're they're it's. Like, to a certain extent, it's inevitable that, like, even, you know, even in a socialist utopia, like, things like whatever the equivalent of a New York Times op-ed page we have under those circumstances, right, like, you're going to just sort of manufacture consent on some issues. In other words, like, any realistically imaginable version of a media is going to have some sort of conception of what the parameters of debate are, right? And and although, and like, there is something to like the point that like Zizek made in, uh, fuck, one of his books, they all blur together. Uh, but- well, he uh, cut in
1: paste, he, so they, it probably appears in every one of his books. But <laughs> Where way, he says- uh, I'm still team Zizek, but come on, he does that shit. It's yeah, He does. Uh,
2: but, you know, where he says, um, he talks about like, the like Bush era debate about torture. And he's like, look, in in a lot of ways it'd be better just not to have a a debate about this, the way that like, we don't, we don't have a public debate about whether rape is okay. Right. Like, and and of course that that's all, that's all true. Right. Like, like uh, there are, and like, but this is the thing. So yeah, it would be awesome if we lived in a world where Tom Cotton's perspective on all this was so far beyond the realm of like any sort of public discussion going on that you would just treat it like as like a, a competent version of a New York times op-ed editor would just act like somebody had just asked if they could do a a pro pedophilia op-ed. Right. And and like, and, and like say what? No. Right. But the thing is here in the real world, um, you, you're not actually going to erase that that opinion from the discussion by not putting it in the New York Times. Like, Fox News is blaring it 24-7. Uh, the president is talking that way. Uh, there was one poll where 58% of the public said they should send in the troops. Uh, so, like, if the cat's out of the bag, it's there, right? So at that point, the question is, are we going to sort of, do this thing where we try to make you know, like we we sort of try to have a taboo against expressing it, or are we better off? You know, like just doing like, you know, God. I mean, like I I would have loved it if there were like side by side on the op ed page there was there was Tom Cotton and like a rebuttal by Cornell West or someone, right? Like and 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 you know at at the uh, like whatever. Like I think. I think the idea that there's anybody who wouldn't find you know West's response more eloquent and compelling than Cotton's editorial, who wouldn't have thought what had said if it hadn't been printed in the New York Times, you know, is like a little, a little sketchy to start with. And what's even worse is that the way this all played out right after that, uh, the newsroom revolt, the apology, the resignation of the op-ed editor, is just a propaganda gift to the right.
1: Yeah, it is. It is. I mean, so in that way, like the it's funny because people on the left oftentimes uh, shouts out to my old uh, to a to friend and my old um, mentor, Roger Lancaster, often uh, writes for uh, Jack, but in other outlets, people will be familiar with him. Most recently wrote for Nonsite. Uh, he pushes that that Habermasian public sphere from a left perspective. Right. Because, um, you know, it's often it's oftentimes like uh, poo pooed at best. Uh, you know, at best by, by leftists as being like, uh, like irretrievably like liberal and bourgeois. But like, you know, our problem is precisely right now that we don't have a public sphere. And so far as like, I don't think that we, we have been raising up people, uh, with the capacities and faculties to even like, uh, to remotely participate in something like that kind of exchange between cotton, you know, the cotton West, uh, you know, um rumble in the the old gray lady uh 2020 or whatever we'd call it yeah, right like yeah, yeah, yeah. you know it would be legendary but like we just don't have like we haven't raised that we've just raised up like mindless you know um um you know neoliberal subjects who who can't even participate in such a thing so like before maybe before we knock it we should try it first and then try to move beyond it of course but like <laughs> i think we're yeah. overstating uh we're overstating our current like um cultural like um condition by like knocking uh something yeah. such as the public sphere in that and, way and then
2: like maybe kind of like zoom it out a little bit like all right so you know we, when we started all this i gave nathan credit for like some of the places where i think i think he had like justified pushback to to, to certain examples or certain distinctions that weren't made um we went through a couple of examples where, you know, where I think Taibi actually does have much more of a point than, than Nath's gave him credit for. But, like, also, and, of course, you always have to adjudicate these things case by case, but then, like, all right, he does have a good case on some of these cases, and so zooming out, what's the, like, larger thing going on here? And it seems like the larger thing going on here... Uh, somewhat apart from the rights and wrongs of some of these specifics, is that all of all of all of certainly all of Matt Taibbi's best examples, right? Uh, which there are several of, in my opinion, in, in the piece. Uh, what they have in common is that there are cases where there's all this like free-floating anger, um, and not that any of this started with like the current uprising did, but like right now. Right now that anger is mostly about police issues and related matters, right? Uh, there's all this justifiable free-floated anger about those issues, but it's being directed not, you know, like it's being directed in these cases, it's being redirected Um away from the, from like the sort of political and institutional things, you know, how should policing work, you know, what about crime and poverty? It's being redirected toward, from those to finding people who you think, uh, are like targets of the right size that you'll be able to take them down. Right. You know, that it's like, it's, it's like, Hey, there's not a lot we could do about Donald Trump, but we could sure get Lee Fong. Right. Like uh, like this, this, this uh, like, yeah, it's really hard to reform policing in America, uh, but we could absolutely make the guy who runs the New York Times op-ed page resign. Uh, and and one of the many problems with that, I mean, it's it's first of all, it's depoliticizing. Right. You know, but like it's also um, it also lends itself to this this atmosphere of um of of witch hunting moralism that's that's seen in, in a different way uh in in the glenn greenwald example we were talking about earlier, right? You know, that it's like, in other words, that like that people, you know, because of this of this of this move from real politics to finding problematic people and getting them, right? That like, you know, it really lends itself uh to um to this this kind of um this kind of hysteria that that uh, that that Matt is talking about where you know people like you know things are 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 ripped out of context seen in the worst possible light um you know like there's and like whatever yes the le- you know the three categories that that Matt does somewhat conflate in the article right liberals the left and the media these are three different things and it's important to make that distinction, but, uh, first of all, uh, the overlap between liberals and the media, you know, obviously outside of the conservative media is like a circle, right? Like that's, that's the, uh, it's, it's, it's and like second. So like, you know, because so many of so many people who are liberals of the type, uh, that are most prone to this kind of thing, work in media organizations, you know, like this, that, uh, that like it's it's absolutely rampant in these organizations, and also, not to put too fine a point on it, the fact that the lines between liberals and the left can sometimes be a little blurry is itself a big part of the problem.
1: Right. I mean, I mean, it's uh, it is telling that you know, uh, without how do how to say this without like falling prey to the very thing that I'm cr- criticizing. Uh, it's, it's it's telling that like the publisher of one of the leading. Um, socialist magazines, i.e. Nathan Robinson Current Affairs, uh, is like really leaning in on a lot of these kind of like uh, liberal inflected ideas about like how cancel culture is uh, overplayed and maybe it doesn't exist the way that, you know, they say it does. And many many other folks on the left do as well. And so it's just kind of, it's, it's odd to me that he's, he's downplaying this, you know, he's insisting on this distinction that Taibbi isn't making, all the while uh, he's leaning into the very thing that Taibbi is... <laughs> Is saying is going on, which is causing the conflation, it, you know, itself. Um, and so I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, put, to me, part of this just feels like, you know, they're just different personality types on the left. Like some people like myself who are and, and people like maybe Lee Li Fong and others, time Tybee perhaps, I don't know, uh, who who sort of uh, look at the stuff in the face and and uh, declare that, you know, we're going to we're going to see something, say something. And, you know, no matter how like. Uh, distasteful or unpalatable it may be to others in the left you know because it hurts their self-conception or their their vanity or or even in a more charitable way they just you know feel like the left is better than that for whatever reason um and then there's other people uh who just again want to insist time and time again that you cannot criticize the left or anyone in it uh or left discourses or or left uh you know uh, talking points, strategies, tactics without immediately falling prey and 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 being like the handmaiden uh, of of those in, in the far right and it's it's just again, I don't know how else to 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 it just really does almost seem like like a personality preference at this point um
2: yeah uh, well and, and, and that's also that's a shitty way part, to end but I mean that's 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 but but I mean that is part of the problem because um I think Something else that's also just obviously true here, you know, and look, I'm sure none of us are free from this. I at least try to be aware of it and, like, resist it as best I can, but I'm sure I fall into it, too, is that, like, we all tend to uh, react to this stuff to a great extent through prisms of, like, you know, who we see you know, as, um, as a friend who we dislike for reasons that could have as much to do with, like, battling personal cliques, you know, that, that real politics, uh, and, and without, like, contributing to the problem by commenting on personalities, I'll say I see a lot of evidence in the way that, like, this debate is played out, right, you know, like, and, and all that makes it much worse, you know, so, like, again, I, I think that, and actually, well, really, like, the, the point um where I have uh the the strongest disagreement with Nathan's piece is at the very beginning and and this is like I think a key point like to kind of sum up the whole thing that it's actually worth uh reading out, right? So um in uh, in Nathan's article, he's uh He's characterizing Matt's, uh, Matt's point, right? And he says this. These are serious accusations. There's a whole new movement an intellectual revolution, which is conning organizations, threatening people, destroying our belief in free inquiry, and persecuting thought crime. This movement is apparently called the American left. This is a thesis you may have heard before. It's the Fox News view of leftism, which says that leftists are a bunch of intolerant, social justice-obsessed Uh, Stalinists. And the thing is like what bothers me most about this uh, and why I said that passage is my my single biggest point of disagreement, right? Because like some of the specifics I think there's there's, like room for argument and pushback about uh, you know there are good points that he makes in this article, but I get real itchy when I read a passage like that, because I think this is the last thing the left should be doing, which is to say, not making a distinction between somebody like Matt Taibbi, who, you know, however you want to criticize, however you want to characterize his overall politics, he's certainly at least a good progressive. Um, And, uh, I mean, he wrote a book about police brutality, right? Like, uh, you know, uh, and... And so somebody like him who, you know, at least if we're defining our terms broadly, right, you know, he's, he's making a critique from from within the left um, and, um, and the Fox News view and the fact that now it is true that sometimes there's going to be some surface similarity there. One of the reasons there's going to be surface similarity there is because when the left – is fucking up and be clowning itself. Um, the right will take advantage of that, you know, for, for its own rhetorical purposes and it'll play it up. In fact, just to spell this out a little, the fact that they will do that is one of the reasons we shouldn't do this shit. Right. right because which is why? Yeah.
1: Which is why we spend so much time criticizing our own. Right. Uh, we, we don't want to, we don't want to give them any easy, any, any easy wins that way. Right. And also, too, when people see the stuff that's out and out ludicrous, like we want to we want to give them a perspective from the left as to why it's ludicrous, as opposed to ceding the ground entirely to the Tucker Carlson right, who, you know, who's giving them a a, a similar kind of uh, take that this is ludicrous, but for completely different reasons. Right. So we want to give them a left wing view of, of why it's ludicrous and why there is a different uh, alternative to. To this uh, absurdity, you know, coming from a, a, a principled left direction instead of a instead of a right wing direction, yeah, and, 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 and just, you just automatically that possibility, like from from the outset, exactly, um, it's it's I mean, it's like you know when you were talking about well, there are s- surface similarities. It reminded me of that old line from uh, George Carlin where he said, you know, this uh, is the "fuck the children" speech, right? Or, uh, it's <laughs> Uh, where he said, fuck the children. You know, John Wayne Gacy loved the children, you know? <laughs> so like, Think about the children. Oh, they say, they say, oh, but what about the children? He's like, yeah, John Wayne Gacy loved the fucking children. And it's like, right, like like, pretty big distinction there between like these hippie dippy liberals who were like, oh, but what about the children in the 90s uh, versus John Wayne Gacy? And to lump them in at the beginning of your essay, <laughs> right, about <laughs> – why anybody uh, who disagrees with this kind of hyper liberal communitarian, like what to think about the children, yuppie hippie dippy nineties uh, ide- liberal ideology, right, are uh, objectively the same as John Wayne Gacy? But now I'm going to engage in a very fair minded uh,
2: <laughs> discourse. Yeah, yeah. If, if, if you're, ju- if, you're just, if you're just if you're just dismissing the critique from within the left because it sounds like what the right might say. Like, I mean, it's just, it's it's a bad, I mean, not only is it unfair, which it certainly is, but it's also, it's a, um, it's just such a bad idea. Like, because what you're foreclosing, like, you're just dismissing out of hand things that you should really hear because like, you know, yeah, look, if we're fucking up, the people on the other team will point that out for their purposes Right? Because they'll be able to score points from it. But also, people who are on our team will point out because they want us to do a badly needed course correction. And like, we really need to learn the difference between those two.
1: Yeah. And we need to be able to adjudicate those differences. I think this all comes down to the fact that, like, what's, you know, I asked the question just a moment ago what's journalism for and what do they owe us? I think the question we're at, we need to ask now in this segment of our discussion, which is a, a very great segue to our guest here, Matt Chrisman, is like, Uh, What is the left for? Um, And and Matt's made uh, Matt Chrisman in this case, not Taibi. The old grill pill has made quite a (laughs) quite a few distinctions there. Important, uh, you know, um, he has some important thoughts about the the left being a little more than a kind of a social uh, hyper online click, and and how that's developed into um, the kind of um, the let's say the like the hyperbolic uh, differentiation and the 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 splits online and the, the nastiness and the discourse and all the rest of it, you know, we've been talking about escaping the vampire's castle for a long time. Matt's got his own, uh, somewhat galaxy brain. And I mean that in the best way possible. Cause this shit is zany sometimes, but the more you think about it, the more it's like, Whoa, like there might be something to this, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, but this is, this is as good of a segue as any, um, but before we do that, I just want to give a, a quick pitch to the Patreon, the DPS Patreon. You mentioned your Patreon. We should link to that as well. Support Ben. You're going to get some of his essays and whatnot. Um, if you do that, he is a prolific uh, writer and he's always very responsive to his patrons. I mean, I'm always impressed at how you're able to just keep chunking out this content like left and right. Um, so you guys should support that Patreon uh, and also DPS as well. We're at uh, Patreon.com slash Dead Pundits and become a subscriber. You'll get access to our weekly b-sides in our extended chats um you know it's it's a tough time to do politics right now in the way that we're doing it um there's a lot of battle fatigue for a lot of reasons for the reasons we're talking about right now for because of the the disappearance of of the bernie sanders um you know wave that that feeling those those good vibes uh, have have now dissipated for the time being And, you know, of course, COVID and all the rest of it, the Trump tomfoolery, the um, the fuckeration of the mainstream uh, Democratic Party elites, you know, the the elevation of Joe Biden. And now it looks like possibly Kamala Harris as his VP, uh, the top cop, if you will, in the midst of a uh, Black Lives Matter uprising. It's all utterly fucking bizarre and disjointed and the world feels completely flipped up, turned up, turned flip, turned upside down. Um, but hey uh, We got to keep this thing going So if you if you enjoy what Ben and I are doing on a weekly basis If you want to hear more of it Head over to www. W- 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 too many W's Ben Patreon.com pundits <laughs> And uh, smash that subscribe button We're going to go ahead and take a quick break And when we return we will be Joined by Matt Chrisman, the grill pill Himself
2: So I, I, sh- I should say for I mean, I well, OK, I doubt this is actually uh, this is actually new to anybody, uh, since if there's somebody who listens to this who doesn't listen to Chapo, I'd be very surprised. But um, I, I was very tickled uh, listening to a recent episode of Chapo. There was a discussion of a uh, QAnon conspiracy theory about um, the comedian and cash cab host uh, Ben Bailey. They've they've decided, and their diseased minds is uh, is like a crisis actor. I think he was supposed to be playing Derek Chauvin. Yeah, Because they look um, vaguely similar. And so you, Matt, in, in your uh, in your discussion of that, oh,
1: hold on. I referred to as Ben Bailey, Ben Burgess. Ben
0: yeah, I did <laughs> that. Yes. I don't yes. know why What's it's shit. the. It was something about the alliteration. It kind of caught me.
1: Your yeah, name is quite. Enough. Your name rolls off the tongue quite pleasingly, quite quite pleasantly. You
0: know. Yeah. There we go. So let's so go. Let's go less, with that. There was less uh, <laughs> resistance yeah, in yeah, my yeah. mouth formation, which, the, which,
2: which 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 actually, honestly, talk of less resistance. Uh, you know, if you want to get right into it, does does remind me of something that you said? Uh, wow. Let's see. The night last night or night before, something like that. Uh, but whenever you did the Jacobin stay at home thing which i thought was like really interesting and really worth getting into about kind of the perils of being too online not just in the obvious sense that it you know destroys your mind but politically that when we you sort of form this political identity on on twitter what that kind of turns into is you know, you you kind of end up with all of these in group taboos, and like most of your political arguments are just enforcement of those taboos, and and you're then shocked uh, when you go out into the world and like most people don't give a shit about your taboos because yeah. they were never part of the process of forming them, uh, and you have all of these political ideas. But a word that you keep using when you when you describe this, and maybe you could kind of just like you know hit on on some of what you're getting at with this. Is that the sort of ideas that you form in these online left spaces are are frictionless?
0: Yeah. Uh, uh, the metaphor that I've kind of come to start using—it actually popped in my head when we were talking about uh, on that Jackman stay-at-home episode—but that I think I think makes sense. At least it makes sense to me, and it's just a question of whether other people can see what I'm saying. Is that if you envision the process of of forming a political identity as in ideas and then your execution of those ideas in the world it's sort of like trying to build a ship you're going out to the shipyard with other shipbuilders and you're learning from scratch how to actually put something in the water that can float to get somewhere and as the result it is a process and it is a dialectical uh, maneuver between what you have in your head and then the world that's presented to you and how you your ideas interact with that world and and, and that process brings your ideas into, uh, into sharper clarity for yourself, and it makes your practice of those ideas more effective in your life, and maybe eventually you can stand up a mast and get a boat in the water. Uh, and people think that they're learning those skills, and they're learning they're, – they're, when they're forming an uh, online-only, which is most people, an online-only political identity, they think that they're learning how to build a ship. But what they're actually doing is building a ship in a bottle. There, instead of uh, instead of starting a process that must be engaged, that must that could only be completed through an engagement with the world, you skip all those steps and you just make the perfect model in your head by by working it out with other people online in things that have the appearance and have the emotional weight of real life engagement because you put a lot of emotion into them, all of your online argumentation and. And and uh, and and fighting and and policing of boundaries and all that and teasing out the identity that you you finally uh, uh, arrive upon. But it's completely detached from your life. It's just in a little bottle. And if everybody comes to the shipyard with their own ships in a bottle, they are literally no closer to building a boat than if they hadn't even bothered. In fact, they're farther away.
1: I mean, this goes back to like the early days of like how people conceptualize and theorize like the the development of the Internet, right? Back in the 90s. And I don't I don't have my fucking I don't have a grasp on that literature. But I know like generally speaking, a lot of arguments and debates about like, will this like be like an alternative reality that will develop like uh, separate distinctly from society? Will this be something that sort of maps on like perfectly and kind of enhance our engagement with like the existing world, Um, you know, and it seems like. You know what? What has happened more and more frequently, and and because of like the kind of uh, a misery, like the increasing immiseration of economic, political, and social crisis, and alienation, and dislocation, people are um, sort of escaping. You know, using the internet as, as a purely a form of a form of escape, wherein like the raw materials, uh, the raw materials are from the real world, are taken into the the online universe, and then sort of bandied about in in these kind of like ship and a bottle making processes, but but there's like increasingly like less and less attachment to, to the real world. Like how, where do you fall on that kind of theory, Those theories of, of how the internet sort of um, interacts, intersects bisects, um, transcends, you know, like the, the material world. Cause it's kind of like the material kind of like the, there are people who are, who hate each other's guts online right now who all claim to be like the realist fucking materialists. Yeah. Right. And so the question of like, what is the material and how that interacts with like, how we conceptualize the online realm seems to be really important right now.
0: Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, everyone thinks that they're doing politics, and what they don't realize is that that the internet is not just a platform; it's not just a place for people to connect with one another. It's an entire ecology, uh, and most importantly, it is a it is a money making tool. It is an investment which means it has to make a profit and the way it does that is keeping people on it. So the lure of 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 the political realm of Twitter is you look around your life and you feel things are getting worse at a at a at a geometric rate that no way to stop it and you want to feel like you are at least in in some way grasping towards a a a movement or a sense of yourself as trying to halt or reverse that trend and the problem is that for the vast majority of people in this country there is no way to perform politics in your daily life because because the social aspect of existence the the, the social networks that in past generations allowed for political activity that had meaning and resonance are gone which means that the lure of doing it on the internet is very strong because like i said there is no barrier to entry there it has no there's no friction but that lack of friction is part of what makes it a lucrative investment because it keeps people on it by presenting a a uh, illusory progress and what that progress ends up being is it's soothing your disquiet the same way that the pornography on the internet soothes your your loneliness or your erotic disquiet and and the way that uh Video games soothe people's uh, thwarted intellect and, and sense of like mental challenge. It's all there to soothe uh, a real world lack, but most importantly, it is designed to always keep you coming back, which means it can never satisfy what you' what you're actually trying to satisfy when you go online. And that uh, that, means, that means everything and that includes politics. And it means that the more that you invest into shaping a political identity online, the more that you are making yourself essentially non-functional politically. Because how can you – interact with this intricate, perfect little caravel that you've made in this bottle, how could that ever withstand contact with the real world before something comes under stress and it brings the whole thing down, along with it, your sense of identity and, and, uh, and morality – it's much more safe to stay online and to convince yourself with various uh, various types of sophistry that that's actually for the best. That that it's actually good to just be online because the yeah, real world yeah. is uh, is not is not giving you the opportunity to to uh, live your politics. But if you wait for that moment, it will never occur.
2: Yeah. Now that makes sense. Uh, and and I guess I also you know, like it makes me think about the way that, um, like certain kinds of radical left slogans, uh, often, often evolving the word abolish, right. You know, abolish the police, abolish prisons, you know, etc. which like, you, you know, like there's something you can say for that because like the form in which these institutions exist right now is obviously horrifying and, you know, like whatever, you know, whatever, um, version of it you know we'd we'd like would would be just dramatically different but like one thing i notice about the way people argue about this stuff on twitter is that like when somebody asks you the kind of follow-up questions that anybody of the real world would ask right like like just 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 like super obvious like well hold on like um like so if if we um you know if if we abolish uh abolish prisons than you know my ex-husband you know who's 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 serving time for domestic violence right you know like 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 is he, is he going to get back you know like is he going to hurt me right what happens if somebody breaks into my house you know like those questions oftentimes like the way they're engaged with is people like sort of say oh person who just heard about abolitionism yesterday, you know, thinks it's unrealistic because, you know, they haven't like they haven't read the 20 books that I want them to read. And then like, you know, there, there's a way of like sort of being clever about that response. And then like having like a hundred of your lefty friends on Twitter, like back you up, right, you know, and, and and like make fun of the person and you feel like you won the interaction. But like if you were ever to actually go out and, and, and try to like organize people in, in meet space, then you would never have a good answer to that question.
0: Yeah, because what you're doing is, you, the, the, like all the arguments about the use of terms like abolish and stuff, they are internally coherent, assuming that you ho- have political hegemony. They're all, they're all arguments about, pr- about preventing uh, trimming and compromise from like, uh, undermining a movement that's in power. But there isn't any power at all there's an illusion of power though on the internet because you have the power to kick people out of whatever this whatever so it's essentially a social group it is not a political group that has no political power it is a social grouping and you do have the ability to to, to uh to kick people out of that and that creates this illusion that there is an actual politically enduring power there but there isn't uh, uh the question of what do you do for normies what do you say to people who have not done the reading which is the vast majority of people uh yeah the only response is this assumption that anybody who asks these questions is doing so in bad faith because they're only operating uh, online with a known cast of villains and 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 allies and so they only hear these questions from who they perceive to be their vi- their enemies and so they assume that they're, the only person who could bring up a question would be somebody who's trying to sabotage this movement as opposed to the vast majority of people who aren't even aware that you're having these arguments because they're on basketball Twitter or they're uh, live tweeting The Bachelorette or something. Or they're most people not even on the app at all. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was, I was going
2: to say like on, um, like on that subject of assuming that people are talking to bad faith – um you know like I've, I've heard you talk about before there being kind of two parallel versions of this you see a lot on, on left twitter you know which, which are like the uh the anybody who disagrees with me even if they you know and and, and to be clear we talk about disagreement here right like oftentimes we're talking about people who have like 97 percent identical ships and bottles Right. You know, like that, like one, like maybe has different sales or something, you know, like, like not, I don't want to trivialize this. Right. There are like obviously legitimate and important intra left disagreements, but like, uh, you know, the the psychological incentives of of things like Twitter don't necessarily reward focusing on, on the disagreements that matter the most. Right. Let's put it that way. And that like one version of assuming universally assuming bad faith is like anybody who doesn't see intersectionality or whatever exactly the same way that I do is like is just a bigot right and 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 like that's what's driving them and the other sort of version is like anybody who doesn't see um, all of this stuff exactly the same way I do is like a neoliberal grifter
0: right yeah yeah those are the two the, the, the two boogeymen who because you're you can only operate from shibboleths you you can only uh, uh uh because everyone's essentially anonymous even if their name's on their account you can only sort people by whether or not they use the right words that's it you have no other way of determining uh uh the earnestness of someone's request at first glance uh, and that's what and of course you know that demands good faith that demands you to to answer all questions and engage with everyone Assuming that they are, are, are operating out of good faith and then only sorting afterwards as you engage with people and figure out where they are. Uh, but that takes too long uh, and also it, uh, it uh, decommissions a lot of the weaponry that is useful for people in maintaining positions in these status hierarchies. So what they do instead is they assume universal bad faith, which means that they end up uh, being totally unintelligible to third parties who aren't part of the dynamic – Uh, and also completely and totally vulnerable to anybody who learns the lingo
1: Mm -hmm. right so i mean you know in essence i mean i'm kind of one over to some of the people i mean i'm not even going to tell you the names because i'd I'd, I'd embarrass myself you would you'd learn way too much about like my youtube watching habits or something (laughs) like that they're like they're normies normie as fuck in some ways like hashtag problematic i'll spare myself the abuse by just keeping them anonymous but you know their take on a lot of this internet stuff is like we're not so much creating new people and i disagree with that because i'm a marxist and i understand uh techno technological forms of uh political and economic alienation but anyway th- but but what they're suggesting is very like interesting That's they, they say the uh, internet is not necessarily changing people it's exposing people
0: mm-hmm. right
1: and one of the way I, I, it's it's always halfway right right because if you look at this dialectically it's, it's always half right right yeah uh, exactly to, to, to lean in on 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 the the similarities like the, the the non-changing aspects of of what we're dealing with um it, it's that you know it's what we're talking about right now is this pmc will to power aren't we mm-hmm. right it's this pmc will to power that they wield certain kind of games certain kind of um like intersocial uh, intrasocial dynamics uh for status and yeah. you know, for somebody who's got a blue collar background, such as myself and others who sort of found themselves and en- wrapped in this world, it was it was so fucking transparent, like the entire time. And yet, you know, you get sucked into it anyway. Um, you know, wh- how much how much of this log the fuck off is is really about like disempowering those kind of PMC tendencies that are are right now like dominating the left.
0: I mean. If you, when you look at the way people think about the, the way that even they imagine, uh, uh, especially the social questions, the, the answer to a lot of the, the questions of you know, persistent uh, uh, conflicts and persistent oppressions is to turn the entire world into a giant office where everyone is accountable to a giant HR department. And the, 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 the lab for that is online. Where, where all statements can be now sent to HR. Even if you don't work at the same place, you can still have a, an effect on your life that can include something as significant as firing from your job or as small as losing clout. But increasingly, clout is the difference between life and death for a lot of people in this country. Clout is the difference between whether your GoFundMe for your cancer treatment uh, succeeds or fails. So there's actual life or death stuff here with people's online profiles and the, the only mechanism that has been developed that's effective uh, in online political discourse for changing people's behavior is, is the coercion of the HR department. And so logging off uh, has one really good side effect is that it reduces your, your exposure and vulnerability to that.
2: Yeah, and and it's interesting, too, right? Because it's like, I I feel like there are all of these, like, mechanisms that a lot of people have built up to avoid having to grapple with any of this, like, as a problem, right? Like, so, um, you know, one of the obvious ones is, look, why are you upset about anything that happens online? Just like, you know, I mean, well, in that case, in that instance, you might say, log the fuck off, right? You know, that you might say, like, have, like, like, why... You know, just don't. You know, it's not very important, right? Like, um, you know, like this is just, you know, this is just sort of a form of entertainment. So, like, what's the big deal? Um, and, and I, I think that, and of course, there's the, well, hey, you know, to like, you know, you don't have a, you know, you don't have a right not to be criticized, right? You know, like you're, you're just being criticized. You know, what, like, well, you know, what's, what's your, what's your complaint here? And, it, and it seems like. One answer to that is is kind of what you just said, right? That um, that of course, oftentimes, like people's livelihoods really are at stake in this stuff, right? You know, because um, you know because of doxing, people getting fired, and and even the and even the clap point you just made, right? Um, mm-hmm. Which which is definitely right. Uh, but there's also this like weird thing where okay, like if you're if you're a, a leftist, presumably. You take, think like, like if somebody, um, you know, if somebody was, I don't know, they were like hurling anti-Semitic slurs at you all online all the time, right? You know, just to like take a hypothetical example that never happens on the internet, um, you know, like uh, which. In fact, I think it happens so much that even some people whose name whose names are literally Christman, you know, are sometimes uh, subjected to
0: anti-Semitic abuse. Uh, yeah, they think but, that, the may, my, that my name is proof that uh, I'm overcompensating.
2: <laughs> Fair enough, right? You know, but it's like if that happens, right, like or like if, if you're a woman and like people are saying terrible misogynist things to you online, right, nobody on the left is or should, right, be saying – Hey, it's just online. Why do you care about being online? And, you know, you don't have a right not to be criticized and you know, things like that. Because, you know, everybody understands that, you know, this is toxic and, and, and terrible and, and, you know, and, and like has an emotional toll and reinforces bad dynamics. Um but like in but then when it's a question of enforcement of of sort of uh in group taboos or or like trying to like draw the line or decide, you know, in either of those versions you just laid out, right? Who's who's a bigot or who's a grifter. Right. You know, like in that case, it's a completely different set of rules, right? In that case, you can say whatever the fuck you want, and like anybody objected to it is like tone policing, which now we have a taboo against. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. Because it's it's just none of the beat none of the no one wants to disarm unilaterally, which is what it would be, because you know, we're not going to have a Geneva convention for online, although maybe we should. Uh, and since that's the case, then you, you have to you instead of really ever renouncing a tactic, you can only renounce a tactic uh, against certain people. Uh, there always has to be somebody who, like the state, there always has to be somebody who our force is like a legitimate uh, target against. You know, there, there's always got to be somebody who who has violated the norms in such a way that that executive action is uh, necess- necessary. Well,
1: state of exception action. Let's peel back yeah. a little bit. I hate to do this to you, Matt. Uh, yeah. I, you know, you, you probably get tired of this shit from, like, The Cut and every other, you know, like, Brooklyn-based uh, online outlet that starts with the something. <laughs> um, but, like, one of the one of the topics that, that I've been tracking over the past three years, and I'm, I'm a little – I started just a little bit after Chapo, actually. So you know, very much in that, like, quote, dirtbag left moment. And it's something I've been tracking very very closely and um, you know I've been very vocal on the air lately about like you know my 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 state of uh, de- demoralization and dismay over some of the elements that I once thought to be possibly promising mm-hmm. um, you know this kind of uh, the kind of like anti-woke left and the the kind of trajectories that, that have now spun out from that. They've like they've taken a lot of them have taken up shop in what I call in the in the basement of the vampire's castle. <laughs> right? Rather than yeah. rather than leaving it all together. So just kind of in in, in that kind of broader you know conversation, like where like, I fucking hate to do this to you. What was the dirt bag left? And four <laughs> three three, four years on, right? I had Amber uh-huh. on. I had Amber on a couple years ago to t- kind of track the uh, the state of the dirtbag left being at the term that she coined. And, you know, now we're now we're three, four years in. And I feel like maybe we can have a greater kind of historical uh, perspective. Like, yeah. what, is, what was it? What the fuck happened to it? And where does it stand now? Is it kind of are we standing on the ashes of something, um you know, waiting for something else to be reborn? Uh, or, or is that uh, just sort of a bygone moment with with a lot of uh, lessons
0: about what not what not to do? Uh, I, th- and I and think looking back on it what, it, what it was was an attempt to to triangulate, to find, to find a third to ironically find a third position uh, uh, which I think was hundred percent necessary because the moment was after Trump, specifically after Trump was elected, there was this massive sort of politicization of American life that happened almost overnight. Which meant that a lot of people who, in previous years, even just a few years previously, certainly under Obama and definitely if Hillary had won, would never even have really occurred to them to be political. Uh, certainly not the, uh, to such a degree that they needed to cultivate a political identity. So that that we changed. Like we hated and, those people, didn't? We? Yeah, right. Well, we fucking exactly nerds. It's nerd shit. It is yeah. nerd shit. It's yeah. and and at the end of the day, it doesn't do anything f- anyway. You're just you, you might as well be polishing your Warhammer figurines. Uh, but but the election of Trump changed that dynamic and made politics seem more vital to people. And so they felt a need to participate. But there was this – but because the left was such a, uh, a a a niche subculture, it had developed around it a lot of pathologies, which happens with every niche subculture. And there was a real danger of a lot of people who were trying to cultivate a political identity trying to, like, go towards what their class – experience or cultural uh reference points would tell them is the right way uh and be immediately alienated and rebuffed by the inscrutable series of in-group uh uh signals that that they have no way of knowing and the fact that they don't know them is proof that they're bad inherently uh and so there had to be an alternative to that as the infomercials say there had to be a better way and i'll, I'll like stuff like Chapo was doing in my opinion was trying to provide that to provide a third way. Uh but I think like if we look back on it and see you know the distortions you're talking about the the basement dwelling and the Brad castle you're talking about I think that the, all of those are a byproduct of the fact that that movement stayed online too long. That 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 it was and there was really nothing to be done because I Benjamin Fong who who I I talked with uh with Amber on the Jackman thing last week Uh, In his article about the internet, he says the Vampire's Castle is not some left subculture of online. The Vampire's Castle is online. Like all those dynamics are – like people spent years thinking, reading that piece and being like, yep, they are like that. But no, it's the fact that they're online that makes them that way. And And if you stay on there long enough, guess what? you're going to turn into a vampire too. That's There's, the no mis- that's the to mis- There's no other way to be. There's no other time. There's no other way to inject cuz it's sterile, right? You are sterilized. Your actions are meaningless, which means you have to keep dumping more and more emotional energy into them. So that means that online uh essentially conversations between what amount to like social groups become freighted with weight that they could never possibly realistically hold. And that means that they these these relationships and these dynamics uh, break up and shatter because they could never hold the weight the psychic emotional weight that we're putting on them
1: yeah yeah they did they crack up i mean i yeah i angela nagle on the show uh, i think it was like episode five or something and you know this is what, what's kind of had me so uh demoralized lately is like i fucking said it, people in 2017 i said don't do subculture <laughs> right i said we fucking said it. like subculture is too it's like um, there's it a terrible fucking thunderstorm going said It's got me completely like at a loss for words and language. I'm waiting for a tornado to come to, to drop down and take me away. <laughs> uh, it might be hopefully to a better place. that wouldn't be hard to do right now. but uh, so, so I'm a loss for words, but it's, it's like a, what's the thing like in, in the myths that it's like too hot to handle? like you know it's, even if uh, you get your hands on it for your it's like the ring, right? Yeah, uh, a number of like other allegories right that like, that it's, like but subculture is too hot to handle folks. I said don't fucking do it. And and they try to do it better or do it differently or our subculture is different and here we are three years down the, down the line and and that that fraction of the left that I that I thought had some promise uh, has just completely fucking destroyed and eaten itself.
0: I mean, um, I remember uh, from our first show we explicitly said this show is not politics. Listening to this show isn't politics, and to a an degree, I think it, it people absorb that. I mean, the number of people who during the Sanders campaign came forward. Uh, to tell me uh, and us that they were only out there because they listened to the show—that was great. And there was a moment where it felt like, oh, this might achieve liftoff. But then the real—the real moment for me came. The real historic for me came was after Bernie campaign ended, and then, and then the the perfect confluence of the Bernie campaign ending and then everybody basically being forced into their homes to post more than they ever have before, uh, in the context of the Sanders campaign's uh, failure and the and and almost immediately the exact same arguments that had convulsed uh the internet in like 2017 which i remember at the time being very dismayed about but also thinking when something real comes along these are going to go by the wayside and i was right to a degree like the, the well the sanders campaign was was really rolling even you saw people who had daggers drawn towards one another who were willing to ignore that stuff. And why? Because there was something to actually work on. There was something to focus on besides just uh, meticulously maintaining your your ideological purity. Uh, but as soon as that was gone, the, the uh, arguments came back, and they were the exact same arguments uh, by the same people using the same words, the same arguments, like nothing had evolved. Nothing had changed. Uh, and and that really rem- made me just my stomach just drop and be like oh no we're in hotel california there's no way out of this as long as this is it this is it the eternal recurrence of the same old fucking shit
2: um yeah and, and actually i think there's like i don't know i mean something i've been thinking about since the uh the the police brutality uprising you know started is that there's there's been a lot. OK, like, like here's a concrete example of, of what I'm talking about. Uh, somebody who I'm not sure if you want me to use his name or not, but is is a, um, uh, you know, is, is a podcaster right in Brooklyn. And um, he that doesn't he narrow said,
1: it down very much, Ben. <laughs> yes, I know.
2: <laughs> yes. Like every other resident of Brooklyn, he has yeah, a podcast. <laughs> if you're
1: dropping hints, it's not working. <laughs>
2: I'm not trying to drop hits. I'm just trying to give context. Uh, but uh, but in any case, like he sent me uh, this DM of like some screenshots from his neighborhood Facebook group, uh, where people were like piling on to uh, the local like beer garden uh, because like this beer bar hadn't like uh, issued a statement about Black Lives Matter uh, hmm. or anything else. Right, because like they literally hadn't had a Facebook post since like mid March, you know, when the quarantine started. But people were like outraged that they hadn't issued a statement about it, right? Or, um, you know, I I think Adam, you know, you've you've had some experience of something similar in, in your your work life, right? Uh, and and like I've, I've been thinking about this because it seems like a lot of what's going on there is that even though like, I'm sure a lot of people who are doing these things are like annoying libs anyway, they never want to support a Bernie. but even so I feel like during that Bernie moment, there was a lot, like there was this kind of resurgence of belief that you could bring about social change through actual political action. uh, And that, that like, and even like the sort of, like degenerate, annoying forms of that, like Elizabeth Warrenism, like sort of still reflected that larger feeling, right? And um, and now that's really gone into a retreat, right? Like it seems like one of the you know one of the reasons, and I'm sure there's a there's like a I uh, you know there's a there's a ve- there's a, a a blurry line here, I'm sure, because it would be too much to say that people shouldn't care about symbolism at all. Humans are a narrative species; we're going to care about symbolism, right? But like this really seems like overdosing, you know, on symbolism. And uh and if if you're if you're like obsessed with stuff like this, you know, like that you're you're like getting angry and 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 doing like you know online mob stuff because like the guy who owns the beer place down the street, you know, hasn't ish done engaged in this meaningless corporate PR exercise, then it seems like part of what's going on there is like on some level, a lot of people know that actually changing it in a entrenched state institution like policing would be really hard, but like, you know, bullying, like some guy down the street and to make it a statement is, is really easy. Right. You know? So like, if you can't, if you sort of get, you know, if you don't really hold out a lot of hope in doing the hard thing, then you sort of go looking elsewhere in the forum for, for, for easy victories. And like, that's what gets like, that's what sort of produces a lot of these weird witch hunts about like this ephemeral issues, but I don't know, maybe you have a different take on that. I'd be interested in hearing your thoughts.
0: Uh, the, the thing is that has to be dealt with, and this is where, you know, uh, the, the question of the abolished stuff comes in. Like we can say that the, like you can't just dismiss the concerns of the uninitiated, but at the same time, there is like, when you talk about we're symbolic, there has to be a symbolic regimen to motivate action. You have to feel, you have to feel, at least enough people have to feel, because obviously there will always be people who will fight the forlorn hope every time, but that's a small group of people. Uh, most people don't have the bandwidth for that for, for various reasons. If they're going to fight, they have to feel like it's going to be for some tangible benefit. Uh, if you want to get a, a, any kind of critical mass of people anyway. And that's where symbolic acts and symbolic language come in because you have to have – people have to have a vision that they have in their head that they can – like the carrot at the end of the stick to get them out and acting. Uh, the challenge is to, to to have a symbolic order that is both reinforcing inside the group and not uh, wildly alienating outside of it. And, and that, that's the kind of thing that builds by action because the more you act – the less you need your symbolic order to convince you to keep acting because you can actually see what you're doing. it's not purely theoretical, it's not purely uh, a a a isolated concept. it is a path in front of you that you can keep taking uh and that reduces the the need to have very brittle uh symbolic victories that to keep you in the hunt, as it were uh so yeah, I really feel like the ans- it's very difficult to talk about this stuff because the very I mean, the well is tainted There, the people the people you're talking to have to some degree or another surrendered themselves to a political project that is doomed but it's also the only way that they could maintain any sense of what's happening around them uh that, their allies and their prospects which is crucial to getting people to act yeah, yeah, I mean, I
1: think, you know, Ben, you're referring to a much more kind of liberally, liberal-tented uh, variant of the kind of overall, um, like, ethos that we're tracking. Uh, but, you know, you can find it in the, in the more kind of explicitly socialist, uh, you know, track as well. Like, you know, I mean, one of the things I couldn't help thinking about, Matt, is you're talking about, like, the development of the dirtbag left and the way that the Sanders project at least temporarily gave us something to do, right? There's that, like, that. there's that material aspect of the dialectic. Um, that I'd like to hear you kind of talk about, where like the 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 process of thinking and development and mental conceptions has to then has to then at some point come into conflict with with actual action like action right yeah uh like in order for for it to sort of reach a higher phase and continue its development it continue its evolution the dialectical evolution there um and I, I you know I, I got I haven't listened to all of your Twitch streams like uh you know uh but uh, I do think that you're really trying to grapple with this stuff in a serious way. But so for example, the way that has appeared sort of in the socialist left now, you know, in hindsight, like it's interesting to think that it was like a concession. It was a, it was a sort of um, a conciliatory uh, move for DSA to, um, to canvas for Sanders as DSA. Right. Because there are a lot of people in the organization didn't want to, didn't want to support, didn't want to endorse. Certainly didn't want to canvas at all. Mm -hmm. Right. So as a as a as a conciliatory gesture, a lot of the elements inside of DSA who wanted to do that went out as DSA chapters, mm-hmm. and it seems that the big mistake, and this is reflective of our of our online kind of a uh, hyper segmentation, our big mistake was not to go out among the Berniecrats,
0: right? Yeah. Well, because the thing we, is, we, we
1: we didn't we never dissolved those you know those online kind of um, uh, trajectories that we had sort of inherited from from the kind of hyper online evolution of dsa um and so it was very easy to crawl back into into those habits without that kind of direct interaction with with the the real material world right
0: yeah well i mean the reason that they didn't want to do that is because in their i think their, their explicit idea was we don't want to be turned into liberals we don't want to just become another liberal pressure group and the thing is is that is a concern that's that's a real threat but once again they've already mapped it out in their head they already have the whole thing in their head. They've played the chess match already. that That's what online does is it makes you already assume the end point of an engagement that hasn't happened yet and decide that you can't engage because this is going to happen. When I'm sorry, you aren't smart enough to know what the hell is going to happen. Right. So you look at one side of the contradiction
1: uh, and everything's contradictory because that's the essence of a dialectic. And, and right. you look at one side of the contradiction, you decide that's the, the inevitable uh, sort of outcome and so you avoid it or you know or move accordingly as, as if you're you know yeah no i get that that's the we see that a lot like all yeah. the time like ripped at risk of co-optation yes there's also a, a you know uh, that's also a, a, nec- a necessary
0: right? outreach because you don't have enough people yeah you right. do not have enough people and for me that was the that was the only that was that turned into my only real argument like i didn't want to talk about any of the chintzy uh, uh, theoretical shit. I don't want to argue about how many Trotskys and dance on the head of a pin. I don't want to talk about about tendencies or anything like that. There aren't enough people for any of that to matter. Right. There aren't enough people for any of these questions of of, of discrete, subtle ideological variants to have a practical effect on the world. And so everything, in my opinion, had to be uh, put in the back burner to the quest to get more people. But that goes in direct contradiction, as you said, with the way that uh, the way that DSA as it now exists as a, as a larger group of people than you know the the sort of the 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 shell of the the old uh, uh, Harrington group that was before mm. 2016 that it was not built to handle that kind of pressure because everyone in its uh, belief systems were too brittle to deal with the real world or enough of them anyway
2: yeah yeah, no, for sure. Like, and actually, it's it's a weird, like, thing, because I think part of the reason that, like, DSA, you know, had, uh, I mean, I guess it was already probably the largest socialist organization in the U.S., which is, I guess, what, what was it? I think it was William F. Buckley said in his uh, obituary for Michael Harrington, Michael Harrington was the most prominent socialist in America, which is, like, made the tallest building in Wichita, Kansas. Yeah. Uh, you know, that it's like... Uh, you know, that like, OK, so but like really the reason that like all these people went into DSA instead of some other organization is because um Bernie Sanders used the phrase democratic socialist a lot. And when you Google democratic socialist, you know, you got DSA. I mean, like a lot of it really like really is kind of that simple, you know, that like that's as to like what sort of got people, uh, you know, into DSA and then ideally right though when they when they did they you know they'd like finally i mean i know this is like a super duper pretentious like analogy but like um uh i'm sure you know but it's like i almost think of it's like the uh like an infinite jest there's the video that uh the that, entertainment you, yes yeah the entertainment right you know that like you watch it and you like become this like you become like comatose you know because like you can't stop watching it um
1: Look at you. Uh, Look at you, assholes. You guys actually read that book instead of just I did. the first page and putting it on your shelf like a pretentious bastard. Yeah. I don't even, I haven't purchased that. You know, I'm a
2: well, Philistine. I, I, I'm with I,
1: shit on his shoes over here, but good for you I guys. I did.
2: I'll, I'll, I'll say the first time I got about 100 pages in and I just got like distracted. You yeah, know, me by, too. Like, some shiny thing. Right. But then I, I went back. Um, I went back years later, and I did read the whole thing. Like
0: that's exactly what happened to me. I had it. I read, like, 80 pages. And then after he died, I'm like, all right, I'm actually going to read this. Persistent. Yeah. Then it, <laughs> he clicked, like, 200 pages in, and then it was very easy.
1: The only thing I've yeah, read yeah. over, over 1,000 pages is uh, Capital Volume 1, and that's the only thing I ever <laughs> care to read over 1,000
0: pages. <laughs> that's all you Fuck. need, goddammit. Yeah, no, that's all
2: you need. need that's right. That but, like, you know, in a way, like, once you've got, like, in principle right you've googled dsa and and, and uh, you've googled democratic socialist and you got to dsa and then like somebody like called you because you're a new member and told you about a meeting then this should be fantastic this should be like we've we've finally come up with something that can get you to turn off the entertainment right you know uh and and uh and go out and and, and you know engage in in political activity in, in the world uh, but part of the problem here is i guess that there's no like and this i guess also gets down gets back to what we were talking about earlier about how there's no um about like all these ways that we tell ourselves that none of the pathologies of the online left matter because it's just online and who cares about that right is that people don't actually stop like people don't actually like shed all of the habits of thought that they learned online the second they go to a meeting yeah like like yeah, you, it's, you, it's a project you take of subject
1: your- making, right? The online world is, is making subjects in certain ways, you know, and yes. pointing their minds in their sort of their symbolic and ideological sort of universes in, in these very serious when you encounter Matt, this probably happens to you all the time. You're a recognizable guy uh, when you're out and about in the wild and, and, and a Chapo fan uh, tracks you down. Uh, isn't it weird to encounter somebody like that? Because, you know, it's, they're talking about like this, 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 uh, this pizza like slaps, <laughs> and 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 like you know and like nobody fucking says this stuff right like yeah. you encounter like a twitter head in 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 reality you know in the real world and it's jarring you know um and it yeah i mean it, it yeah, over-determines really like live people shows. in a serious yeah, way. It does it's
0: like it's like a public uh, yeah. performance of everyone performing their Twitter personas in front. Yeah, of Yeah, it's other.
1: like you know, d- do that in the shower. It's like <laughs> masturbating in public. You know, it's like what are you? Yeah, it's embarrassing. And, and it's you know, it's anyway. I don't want. I don't want yeah. to knock it's, your it's, livelihood it's, and your fans, but 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 in in a way like it does overdetermine overdetermined subjects in the way that you're talking about, Ben. Not to derail that important point.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But, no, I, no, yeah. I'm sorry. Continue. No, I was just
2: going to say it's also bizarre just because, like, you get this stuff, like, I don't know, like, one small instance that, that stands out in my memory was when I first, like, my book, your first book was coming out. And I was doing, like, videos to promote it on the Zero Books YouTube channel. And then, like, I went to um, a little while later, you know, back when I was living in, in New Jersey, right? So I, a little while later, I went to a um, a Jacobin, like, issue release thing at, the, uh, at Verso and... Um, and I walked in, and somebody I didn't know said, "Oh, you're zero books, not even like <laughs> Ben Burgess, right? Mean, a human being who is exists to you in the world, by your, right? by you know?
1: Twitter by your Twitter handle, yeah, yeah. yeah. as opposed to your, your your given name, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Which, yeah. which which, which so, does which does say something, right? Because like, not to okay, I mean, whatever, in for a penny, in for a pound, right? Like one more infinite jest thing, and then I promise I'll stop, right? There's a uh, like one of the weird things in Infinite Jest is the Wallace sort of predicts Skype, but yeah. the way he he has it play out is is really is really funny. Right. That like that he predicts that in, uh, when people are 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 watching each other on, on video and, and I guess they can see themselves as we can, you know, in these little squares here on Zoom, uh, that they'll be um, that it'll make them like super self-conscious because like they weren't used to people seeing what they looked like. Yeah. You know, on the phone and that then the solution to this uh, is that um, is that people start um, buying like having men specially manufactured these masks of their faces that like they wear like while they're on whatever he calls Skype in the novel um, and you know and I mean whatever I mean I don't I don't want to like hammer that a fairly Unsubtle analogy into the ground here, right? But like, you know, there is, there is, like, there is something there, you know, that it's like what they're, you know, like, that there's this weird confusion because, of course, what, you know, like, even if you're using your real name on Twitter, like you said, that doesn't mean that they're interacting with you, right? Yeah. You know, they're, they're interacting with like a certain. Yeah, representation yeah it's, it's like when I encounter on, a, on Twitter, a, a Twitter journalists at Brooklyn parties, somewhat at some level, but like right. much more so online.
1: Yeah, it's like when I encounter uh, Br- Brooklyn journalists uh, at parties, right, that, that I've encountered on Twitter only. And they want to they want to yell at me about something that we argued about like six months ago. And it's like, don't I'm, I'm fucking wasted right now. Don't do that. Like, what do you who are, what, what the fuck? Uh, I won't name any names because I'll have to fucking talk to him six months from now about it. Um, actually that would be more real, real, world. but anyway, you guys are talking about, um, infinite jest. You know, I, I think those guys are cucks. Those future humans are cucks because, uh, wall the great, uh, film. I don't know if you guys have heard of it. Uh, wall they the future humans are fucking shameless. They're just stuffing popcorn and chips and cookies in their faces while they're, you know, their uh, like, uh, obese bodies are being carried around by, like, uh, these, like, um, like uh, hover wheelchairs, and they just have TVs in front of them. They get these giant sodas. Um, I prefer that version of the future, but uh, we're, we're way off track. Matt, talk to us about the subjectification aspects. I just followed Wally with subjectification. Uh, get you a man who can do both. Um, talk to us about that aspect. It's something you've been really wrestling with this a lot. It seems like, and, and some of the stuff that I've caught from you lately, especially
0: your your live streams. I, I guess I don't know what to say about it, other than it's 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 the actual thing that's happening instead of politics. You're not politic You're not doing politics. You're not moving the needle politically. You are turning yourself into someone uh, where politics is sort of the pole that you're wrapping the the uh, cotton candy ball of your identity around. You know, uh, and, and that's all it is. Uh, but I think that the hope is is that. Like I understand pessimism, I certainly share it. But I think if there is hope, it's that it's that 1905 spirit—the idea that if things are, are if things continue to their slide towards oblivion, uh, resistance forms are going to emerge to that 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 unsustainable status quo uh, that are totally outside of these uh, these networks that that have that that are going to catch. The online left, completely by surprise, and are going to involve enough people that the uh, idiosyncratic mechanisms and uh, weird social dynamics that and, and brittle personalities that make up the online left will essentially be subsumed within them. I mean, that was always – the problem with DSA – in terms of its, you know, the, its reputation as this is as, as uh, hyper woke, you know, middle class anxiety cases, and, and all of the stories uh, and and cringe videos of people uh, getting mad about clapping and things like that, uh, there was this uh, idea that that was all a result of the culture of DSA, like oh, like they're scaring away normal people. No, no, I don't. I really don't think that's what happened. There was no there's no conveyor belt between regular people and politics in this country of any kind. So it was, of course, going to be dominated by online uh, uh, middle class uh, anxiety cases, because those are the people who have politics in this country. But politics is back again uh, in a way that it hasn't been uh, in the living memory of anyone in this country. And with that reality, new political forms, new political subjects are going to emerge that are not going to be. Uh, uh, in conflict so much with the dominant left strands as outside of them and then people who have cultivated these beautiful little ships in the bottle are gonna basically have a choice of whether they want to stay home with theirs or smash the goddamn bottle and start over and the beauty part is it's such a small uh, group the online left that if most of them decide that it's not for them it won't matter anyway
1: yeah, nobody will notice. The, the exactly. shame in that, though, right? I mean, that, that's that's the again, that's the contradictory appearance of like this uh, evolution, dialectical development is that the the, the downside. And that's 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 you know, there's a lot of hope there. Thank God that things you know, if if anything is constant, it's change. And if things suck now, then there's a chance anyway that it won't suck in the future. Right. But the the downside is is I believe you guys raised in your uh, stay at home. Uh, episode people should check that out I'm gonna link to it in the show notes uh shouts out to Jackman and kale and and baskar for putting that on um is that you 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 sort of start back at not at zero certainly but you lose a lot of the the kind of historical the kind of collective memory of that of those failures and of that movement um that that kind of knowledge that kind of experience and you see a lot of that of the people who are on the streets right now and and the kind of black lives matter moment and making a lot of the same errors and you know faux pas and cringeworthy moments that we saw like you know, during Occupy and when when most of us were were radicalizing in in, in a way, and it it feels very cyclical in that way. Um, which you know, it's understandable why why a lot of us
0: feel um, kind of demoralized
1: uh, by that. I guess is what I'm getting
0: at. There will be a lot of the same mistakes, and there will be an inflection from online discourse. But I honestly think it's a numbers game more than anything. It's, and it's a it's uh it will come down to how effective the movement is, obviously the thing that the solvent of a lot of this stuff is wins, which of course the left has not had at all so w- the context that we're we've been we've been marinating in is this is this constant defeat where if 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 the possibility of victory is not within grasp and people are not able to transcend themselves the way that they would need to to detach from that, which some people are able to do your Bodhisattva types. Uh, but for most people, acculturated in an, in a idealist, uh, uh, individualist country like the United States, it's very hard to think that way. Uh, if if there's actually movement, if things start shifting, then all of a sudden, I think that that changes the calculus uh, and changes the inputs uh, into the the formations that will emerge, and and that that will sideline this because. As much as it looks overdetermined and overwhelming, this online, this like sterile, anti dialectical online left hothouse, it's actually not that many people. It's it's just that it's resident and it's more resident to people who are in it because they are choosing to engage with it. I mean, if you really unlocked from online, I think, and, and it's very, I mean, I can't do it literally. I mean, I, I'm lashed to the mast uh, and I'm fine with that. But, for people who aren't getting anything materially from it uh it's very hard to to detach but if you do i would not be surprised if the if the salience of a lot of these seemingly intractable online based pathologies is, is is seems much less uh clear
2: i mean i guess i'm uh you know i'll uh you know resist the uh you know i've been resisting the opportunity and you know, i've been trying to uh to stay you know substantive so you know i've been i've been resisting the temptation to ask you about like caleb jacoby and shit like that <laughs> but uh, um but but one uh you know one matt Crispin classic that does seem relevant here uh is something i've heard you talk about uh when you're talking about the um marx's uh 18th brumaire of of louis uh napoleon right so um Which, which is the way that, um, that that marks that like you know if you think about like what it would take to get like some of those wins right like, uh, and you know I mean of course like we don't want to overdo this and like stew in defeatism since you know I mean there are like real things that happen that are promising right I mean you know Bernie Sanders won three states there are you know there have been there has been some resurgence of of organized labor Uh, you know there are you know cities and police departments that have been spooked enough by what's going on lately that they've they've implemented some reforms but uh, but like it it seems like the big missing ingredient right like is it's really hard to see how you can have an effective left that doesn't have a organized working class, you know, at, at yeah. its, its, its base. And of course we don't have that. Yeah. Like, like, you know, last figures I saw private sector unionization of the United States is something like 6.7%. Uh, and, and those, those aren't, you know, military unions. And, and, and there are a lot of reasons that we, we don't have it. Right. Like, uh, you know, we can, we can spend an hour just like doing the diagnosis. But one reason I've, I've heard you talk about is that, especially that like in the era of like gig economy jobs, uh, lots of jobs that can be done remotely, right. Uh, which obviously we've seen a huge explosion of, you know, co you know, with the COVID-19 pandemic, um, you know, it's, it's a little like any sort of like natural bonds between people who all go to work at the same place every day and like meet each other and talk to each other you know, have, have really loosened to a point where you almost might think that like Marx's description of, uh, the French peasantry, you know, yes. it's like a sack of potatoes. Uh, yep. unfortunately somewhat applies to a lot of the American working class, even because, uh, you know, because, because you have people who are really, their conditions of life and work really make them atomized from each other. So, so put together, they don't seem to, uh, you know, they, they don't, they don't cohere into, you know, a a class for itself, right? Yeah. You know, the way that a classic working class would.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I've been thinking about that for a long time. Yeah, I, I think of it as Pringles in a tube, because we've because uh, it's the potatoes, but the potatoes at least had like a uh, had like a a, 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 a fixedness in time and place mm. that the the, the contemporary Americans don't have at all. Where it's been completely replaced by a, like an entirely manufactured identity, that is completely the product of 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 capitalist media, uh, and that's that's so you have the alienation, the actual physical alienation, the labor alienation, uh uh between between working class people, and then on top of that, they're operating from, uh, uh cultural networks that are completely synthetic.
1: I said like, people accuse Marx of being Eurocentric, uh, and then and then he called the the peasant the French peasantry a sack of potatoes. Uh, you know <laughs> that's not the kind of standing that uh, that I would want. Uh, you know if if, I, if Marx was uh, allegedly on my side, uh, but yeah no we we've we've transcended that uh, in a way now we're a tube of uh, Pringles. I'm gonna use that. That's fucking demoralizing though, guys. Pick me up, Matt. Pick me up. You've been thinking a lot about how to reconcile this. You've been talking a lot about. Um, at least the stuff that I've seen, even people point at my, people always push me uh, stuff uh, that when you talk about the vampires castle, because you talk about uh, former associates of mine from time to time, which is uh, always very um, cathartic. Talk to me about how we get out of this. You know, how, how do we, how do we have this Geneva convention where where, (laughs) most of the people online are more interested in the proceedings that go on at the Hague?
0: Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't have an actual blueprint because I I don't know what's coming. I just I know that what I tell people who ask me what they should do, because that's all you can ever really know, uh, is the log off is too is too glib because the internet is a necessary. It's an opiate, you know. It's it's a necessary balm for the alienation we suffer. Without it, it's much harder to get through your day. So. It's not, it's, it's, it, and, and just saying get offline, it presumes a, a, an ability to do that. That a lot of people, honestly, I, I believe them when, when, when they say they can't. Uh, but you absolutely need to be online less. Uh, you absolutely need to cultivate an identity that is, uh, more durable than the, feedback you get from an incredibly fickle group of people who don't actually know or like you uh, and that you and i'd say for me the most important part of it is think about what you actually believe and like drill down on that because i've really discovered r- relatively recently for a long time just how fastly i held certain things certain beliefs how, how unexamined their premises were And that that lack of examination made me more vulnerable to all of the most pathological parts of online discourse because I felt brittle and fragile in my beliefs, but I didn't want to uh, didn't want to challenge them or certainly discard them because they were what I had to be my persona. They were my north star. Looking like actually drilling in and like why do you believe what you believe? It makes makes you more if you if you can get to closer to bedrock on on why you believe things it makes it much it makes your interactions with online when they have to happen uh, much less emotionally turbulent there's less at stake they're less fraught because you're not having to reaffirm your beliefs every five seconds and have them reflected back to you by people they are they're there because you know why you think them
1: Mm-hmm. right on right on ben any any final words
2: yeah um well i i just i just said uh when you when you got up to, to use the bathroom that uh that you know i was i was heroically staying on course and and asking about substantive things related to our discussion it's instead of just uh going through chapo trivia but i but i can't uh I, I I can't resist one one thing that I've been thinking about, which is that uh Are you a reporter you know, for uh,
1: the dialogue or uh, <laughs> uh the 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 discussion org or uh the
2: discussion. Yeah, yeah, the uh, the chat. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, 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 something with a definite article. Uh yeah. No, uh which you know, which is which is this uh like there's like a big recent controversy uh was about the new york times um publishing this you know fascist op-ed by by tom cotton and and of and of course it had all of the the characteristics of uh, the way this sort of like very online news cycle about these things goes right there's something people could get you know excited about at the moment oh my god i can't believe they did that right then and and you can like pressure them to apologize whatever right but but it it strikes me that um, like if we actually like care about you know like critiquing this you know still powerful kind of legacy media, I'm a lot less concerned about um, the the occasional visiting lunatic you know having an op-ed than I am about the fact that they have this bizarre cast of mediocrities who are uh, who have these lifetime sinecures to, uh, to just like dump their unedited, like, you know, unstructured thoughts onto a New York times column, you know, once every week or two weeks or whatever with like literally less of an attempt to like form it into anything resembling an argument than the average, like net roots kind of blog post in 2005. Um, and You know, and so, of course, I can't help but think of something that was discussed in one of the very earliest episodes of of Chapo, which is like, okay, so Tom Cotton coming on to The New York Times. That's an event. But Ross Duthat just like gets to be in The New York Times, you know, like several times a month, you know, because he is like a reasonable conservative. Uh, I guess that's the uh, that's the trade off there. Um, And and beyond being like. Obviously, having horrifying views because he is a conservative. Uh, We're literally talking about somebody who's so dumb that when William F. Buckley asked him to go skinny dipping with him, nothing about that made him like question Buckley's heterosexuality. It's just like, oh no, this is just guys being dudes. (laughs) Yeah, guys being dudes. Just just bros showing each other their penises. You know, (laughs) yeah, exactly. And and like how like the fact that. I don't know. Like there's something really, really weird about the fact that we all just sort of accept that, that like the least, the least interest in people in the world, right. Both in like the liberal version of the never Trump version are just like given these spots on, on the New York times, like the, the most like coveted, like newspaper op-ed space on the planet. Right. Uh, yeah. Like inexplicably, like Ross Douthat, I assume got that job because he was probably the only Republican in his class at Harvard, and so people knew him or something.
0: Well, that's just it: is that they have to be conservative, but they have to be conservative within certain parameters, uh, which is why, which is why the whole thing is so fraudulent and stupid. Like everyone getting mad at op eds is, is really missing the point. That's why they're there. They're there for people to get mad at them. That's it. They drive clicks through people getting mad at them one way or the other. So getting mad at them is just showing that it's actually doing the job that Bennett paid them to do. Uh, but also uh, the, the, the defense of the New York Times op-ed page along the line of, oh, we need to uh, have challenging beliefs that, that our, our our readers aren't going to want. The assumption there is is still, well, within reason. That's why all of our Republican columnists have to still be anti-Trump. Because Trump is so, because they're accepting the critique that people outside of the paper make that some ideas are outside of the realm of of, of uh, respectable opinion and should not be platformed as New York Times. They agree with that. They just uh, have a different formula for it, and for them, part of it is no one who supports Trump, even though that would actually maybe give their their wealthy liberal coastal readers uh, an actual exposure to a meaningful current in American politics, as opposed to the anti-Trump Republicans who represent precisely themselves.
1: Yeah. And that's, yeah, a, that's a dangerous sure. game to play too. Right. I mean, it, as if the
0: Trumpers didn't
1: understand that, the, the sort of rules of that game, the parameters of that game, which just completely justifies their, their worldview of, of, you know, their mar, you know, marginalization of their ideas and so on and so forth, which just makes them, them uh, stronger.
0: That Absolutely, becomes, I mean it's it's, it's a that's a why it's why Trump has been able to, is going to kill half a million people and he won't get fewer than forty four percent of the vote. It's because by making these determinations, all right wingers have to do is point to that as an invalidation of reality because it's the same people telling people, "Hey, here's a virus that's doing X, Y, and Z," are telling them that the president is is beyond is anathema. Well, then. Then they must be lying because he seems pretty cool to me. Dangerous, yeah. dangerous, cynical game. Yeah, yeah.
2: And, and like I would, I would like, I would kind of get it also. I mean, as you say, like it's it's ridiculous to get mad at a not ed It's 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 I think embarrassing for the New York Times to like do this, like apologizing for it and all of that, which like only feeds into the narrative of um, of of you know of of people who who like Tom Cotton, right? But like at the same time, like this idea that like. Oh, they're providing like challenging, thought-provoking arguments, and like, like really, like so, 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 yeah. so, so, so like, Marie Dowd is there to like <laughs> provide challenging arguments, <laughs> like, 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 like Thomas Friedman, you know, is like really pushing like the boundaries of like discourse and like you know all of the like all of the interesting thoughts that he's he's dumping onto the New York Times, you know, on, on a uh, you know on on a, on a weekly basis, like. You know, you've, you've got these, like, yeah, there's these never Trumpers who I'm pretty sure, like, literally the majority of Republicans who feel that way have jobs at the New York Times or MSNBC.
0: Yeah. Like, they represent uh, no one.
2: Yeah. And, and, and then, like, you've got this, like, kind of uh, extremely uh, bathwater centrism, which most uh, which most non-never Trump Republican New York Times columnists represent. Which at least does represent the people who read The New York Times, right? So I guess I guess, like, in that sense, it represents, you know, it represents somebody., uh, but, but, of course, they're not gonna chat like you know, like nobody's, um, like, I guess probably if you're like a centrist New York Times reader, like maybe like you read a Tom Friedman column and there's like a little bit of like friction there because like Friedman is such a dumbass that like, you know that like even though you're a centrist, you'll still roll your eyes at like some of the stuff he says. But that's kind of it. Right. Like mm-hmm. there's no like like what you're getting for The New York Times, presumably as a centrist liberal reader, is constant affirmation and um and even from the Republicans. Right. Like the primary function is to affirm for you that like, OK, you know, reasonable Republicans agree with me about Trump. I mean, like that's that's essentially the role they're playing there.
0: Yeah. And that the fact that I read a Republican makes me open minded. Mm. Yeah, that's even exactly though what even it though does. their opinions yeah. have already been pre-screened to make sure they won't upset me too much,
1: that's exactly what it is. <laughs> it's about their own part, yeah, their own conception of self. The New York Times average New York Times reader's conception of self as, as being tolerant and open-minded and willing to 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 take in other ideas. I mean, so what we've got here is we've got a war of attrition, the PMCification of politics and culture, and our fucking brains is everywhere on all sides and all corners. And and let's just hope that uh, that uh, we can somehow come out on top of that war of attrition. Uh, Yeah, left. That's all we can do. Uh, That's all all we we can can ever do. do. That's all we can do. All right, we got to cut it there, Matt Chrisman uh, of of, of the Chapo Trap House. Uh, Thanks for coming on DPS. I really enjoyed this.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks, Matt.